JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, oh, the chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. And on a Monday, happy President's Day to you. I know a wide swath of you got the day off, and congratulations on that because, honestly, for the month of February, back-to-back days like this, I know it's kind of fake spring, but take it. Take it and run with it. The last two days have been spectacular around here. So hopefully that is the case with a lot of you locked and loaded on a Monday in here today with a lot of hoopage talk. I know the Pacers don't get back at it coming up until Thursday. The Colts got themselves a new old tight ends coach. We'll dive into that storyline coming up in a minute. Actually, two, I believe, reportedly of the myriad of positional coaching spots have, again, allegedly, reportedly been filled. We'll talk with that coming up a little bit later on. Shane Steichen, remember last week, joined the show. Podcast is still up. I know you guys were listening to it. 107.5thefan.com. College hoop, I'll get to that coming up in just a second as well. I did want to lead with this because a lot of people say, hey, why are you always griping about stuff? And frankly, I don't always gripe about stuff. People say, hey, you're 53 years old. You're too old. You just don't get it. You're talking about back in the day. You live in the past. Why don't you get to the future? Now, you can at times, not all the time, but you can at times be accurate if you charge me with that. I'll admit it. Back in the day is discussed often. I dig back in the day. I like trying to understand back in the day things. This is what I understood about yesterday. And two things that you likely don't care a great deal about, but both have local ties, and that would be the Daytona 500 and the NBA All-Star game. 
They are positioned right there, incredibly close together, midway through and at the tail end of your Sunday. And I'll be honest with you, I don't care to sit here and gripe about, well, I can't believe that NASCAR does this with the overtime, and I can't believe this is not basketball. No, that's the NBA All-Star game. That's the way that it is now, and you might as well get used to it. You might as well get used to some battles. I think they're worthy of fighting, but as far as the Daytona 500 and people around here, you love it. You love NASCAR. You sneaky love NASCAR. You say you love IndyCar more, but then NASCAR is always a top four, top five market as far as NASCAR viewership is concerned, so you have to like it on some level. It's okay if you don't. I'll tune in to see what's going on, see what's happening, and then watch a couple of laps and then turn it someplace else. There was enough college basketball on yesterday to satisfy me. We'll get to this in a moment. You had the Boilermakers, Ohio State. Boilermakers needed to get back on track, and certainly they did. Did you get a chance to watch Northwestern in Iowa? Starting at 6 o'clock last night of the Big Ten Network. No doubt about that. Carolina, NC State in there if you wanted that. Memphis and Houston if you wanted a piece of that. And, of course, you've got the women of IU. They won the Big Ten regular season title outright yesterday. And I'll be honest with you, they're as fun to watch. You talk about a team that's connected. I was on with Tony Katz this morning, and he asked me about this. And the thing that stands out about them, and I've talked to, what, three of them on this show? Uh, It has been the connectability, the cohesion of this group together. Grace Berger, Sidney Parrish, Mackenzie Holmes. But yesterday... You had IU and Purdue, and IU ran away with it down in Bloomington. Watch that, winning the Big Ten regular season outright, and a lot of folks believing that that could be a final four-bound type of team. So that was on yesterday. But back to Daytona and back to the NBA All-Star game, just for a moment, Daytona may end up changing Seems like they change on the fly and change, you know, what direction the wind might be blowing. But I just kind of take that for what it is. No doubt it's one of the biggest races in the world. I'll give it that. But it's not something I'm going to be dialed into lap after lap. You know, sometimes even during the Indy 500, I'll turn it a little bit. Or better said, even sometimes at the Indy 500, if you're out watching it, you're going to get up and, and take a whiz about a few hundred times. So it's not like watching, you're hardcore watching every lap. I get that. For the NBA All-Star Game, it is it is a show. All right, it is a show. I'm not going to sit here and tell you either that I'm like John Wooden Jr. Hard, it's got to be basketball and basketball 101. I'm not trying to coach you up. There are various brands of basketball. Uh, that are played, that was more of of a show. All right, if you like lobs against no defense or, you know, threes against no defense, I don't want to see these guys get hurt either. So to go out there and play hardcore against one another would make zero sense to me. So what do I do? I just kind of take it for what it is. I'll turn it on, watch it for a minute, see a couple of uncontested dunks, 
You saw early in the All-Star game last night, what did they do? The hometown team, Salt Lake City, Utah Jazz, a couple of lobs to an absolutely unguarded Laurie Marketing. <laughs> I mean, unguarded. I mean, it's kind of, it is an elite-level basketball athleticism glorified pickup game. I don't even know if it's that because in the pickup game, uh, you get people out there that certainly they care more about the product, but that's what the product is supposed to be. And people like that. I don't think that has anything to do with age. It's just, to me, it has to do with understanding. You watch all levels of basketball, for example, you kind of know what you're going to get at all levels. I kind of just watch them differently at times. Try to understand that. So, no, I don't get mad at absolutely everything, and I sure as hell didn't get mad at that. And that is with both the Daytona 500 and the NBA All-Star game. Bits and pieces of the NBA All-Star weekend. Mac McClung was your dunk champion. It did seem like, I, I don't know. Like I said, the one problem I do have, and guilty as charged, when I mentioned back in the day, I embraced back in the day. So I don't know if it was better than 85 when it was here or better than, you know, 87 or 88 or what. I don't know if it was better than Michael Jordan, Dominic Wilkins, or Spud Webb and Dominic Wilkins, or Michael Jordan, or Larry Nance, or Terrence Stansberry. I don't know if it was any better than that, but it looked like it was. Those guys did put on a show. You may not know who they are, but they put on a show. And good, good for Mac McClung. That type of performance for him is going to last forever. And I thought that was awesome. I don't know if the outcome of it is going to help out his NBA career. But, man, one night and one night only, he was the epicenter. You got all those NBA stars coming over and celebrating with him. And I know a lot of you think that that's tired. I absolutely love that. That's great. Great for him. Three-point shooting competition at a couple of Pacers. Finished second and third. Buddy Heald and Tyrese Halliburton second and third, respectively. Halliburton had himself the opportunity, man, and you could tell he got to that second rack and things were a little bit wobbly. And truth be told, there's something else old school. I always got got how they did it back in the day with that final quote-unquote money ball. I just, I don't know really what the hell is going on today. It seems like you can go grab it at center circle and shoot it and like get 500 points out of it like it's MTV Rock and Jock. I don't know. All I know is that it came down to Damian Lillard and Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald and Tyrese Halliburton finished third, Buddy Heald second, and Damian Lillard pointed at game time for the uh, three-point competition on Saturday. All right, probably what you care about more than anything else, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, is that of Matt Painter and Purdue yesterday back on track, knocking off Ohio State as they well should at home, getting again back on track with that win. Big Ten, Big Ten looks like it's going to be fun down the stretch. Big Ten does kind of remind you a little bit, not so much at the top, Purdue's got a little bit of breathing room. But everybody else kind of reminds you of the Daytona 500. You got all these cars like just bumping up against one another. 
<laughs> By the way, I'm sorry. You knew when they tossed that yellow out there for that spin for that purple car that went into the infield. I mean, you knew that Fubar was coming. It was like, well, hold on a second. We got to get some Fubar in here down the stretch. Here it comes. Kind of looked like the dead guy was in the infield. I don't know if you had to worry about T-boning the guy in the infield, but all right. But you just knew. Richard Childress was over there. What are they calling him? Pop Pop? That's what Tony Stewart referenced him as because obviously Austin and Ty Dillon, his grandsons that compete in Austin was right up there. He said, Pop Pop's not going to be happy about this. He just saw it sink. His opportunity to win just right down the toilet. And all somebody has to do, and somebody's going to. Somebody's either going to take a chance or somebody is going to get wobbly because they're getting bump drafted or whatever and you just kind of sit back and wait for the foo bar and the foo bar was forthcoming which kind of waited on right there but yeah in terms of the big 10 and the way this thing lays out right now especially in the middle you got a lot of bump drafting going on there too that's made it really enjoyable i don't know if anybody else enjoyed this watching and I know it's Northwestern and nobody really cares, although I do like this. I like that Northwestern is kind of becoming the enemy. Really, nobody had had cared too much in the past. You know, again, unless you're in a quiz bowl or in an algebra competition or something like that, nobody's really cared in the past. Now, you know, again, IU and Purdue fans, you're not liking them too much. They're a thorn in your side. But let me see a show of hands. A show of hands that thoroughly enjoys. If there's a rite of passage during a Big Ten season, it is your enjoyment, our, sorry, our enjoyment in watching Fran McCaffrey turn 15 shades of purple and get tossed out of a game. That's beautiful. <laughs> absolutely beautiful and then one of his kids gets teed up too it's just go ahead and tee up the entire family here that's awesome i need more of that i'm sorry i do i need more of that i think i do yeah some of you don't like him i think i enjoy it i need more of that back and forth but seriously Northwestern looked good at home again. I guess they're playing a ton of games at home. Well, they got like three in a row at home or something. But that said, right up there near the top, and Fran blew a gasket yesterday. That was a way to end your college basketball Sunday afternoon, to say the least. And as it started, you had Purdue and IU, the women with IU winning. You had Purdue getting back on track with a win over Ohio State. And then double back, double back to IU and Illinois on Saturday. And I said this last time out before the two teams met the first time with IU winning down in Bloomington. I, I don't want to see any stumbles. I want to see this at a fever pitch. Now, mind you, it's going to be that way anyway. All right. It's going to be that way anyway. Because all you fans got your fingers crossed and hoping you can go back-to-back, win on the road, and then Purdue fans, and I'm assuming the team as well, thinking, hey, we got a little payback to get here. We have a little revenge. So 
It doesn't really matter what it's going to look like coming up in the 7 o'clock hour on Saturday. What, 7.30, I think, is when that thing tips. Uh, It is going to be outstanding. It always is, always has been, and certainly now with these two teams, one finally jumping up to the, the level more consistently of competition, that's going to make it even more enjoyable. I, I just, from an IU standpoint, I don't want to see. I know it's going to be tough on the road tomorrow, right? Michigan State, nine o'clock. You know all that. Yeah, IU on the road shooting the basketball outside of Trace Jackson Davis, who you know had to carry him again. Tell you what, Jalen Hood Shafino has been outstanding, and this is two plays. I mean, he's been good. Outstanding, maybe putting too much behind it he's been good been good as a freshman my man throws up some horrific lobs however yeah back-to-back horrific lobs but now IU was fortunate to survive against Illinois you'd really like to see them get one on the road at Michigan State and take this thing because Purdue doesn't play again till Saturday but get this thing at a level in which at least at this point you can describe it as being at its highest point. Again, it doesn't matter. It's still going to be IU and Purdue round number two. But I, it was last time, I think, was it IU that stumbled prior to? Still turned out to be a fun game. Still turned out to be an enjoyable game. Just like to see IU get it done on the road. That's going to be tough coming up tomorrow night as well. Jeff Rabjohn's bottom of the hour will help explain that coming up with us too. Trace Jackson Davis has told, I think, both Jeff Goodman and then Jeff Rabjohns on Saturday that his intentions are to make himself eligible for the NBA draft coming up in June. Probably shouldn't surprise anybody. I will say this. I mean, even for somebody that, you know, he constantly gets described as, well, he can't do this and he can't do that. Uh, He is at least in some of these mock drafts, and who knows and who ultimately cares, in some of these mock drafts, he is working his way up there. And good for him, too. It is incredible. The only thing that is necessary and you would love to see for Trace is you would love to see him and his team get hot in the NCAA tournament so that wouldn't be something that everybody falls back on because this guy has had a tremendous career a tremendous career and if you remember he has battled through a lot he's too soft he's no good he's no leader he's no star he's always not been enough it'd be great to see the guy that in a lot of eyes has never really been enough and you look at his numbers and you look at this team when they perform this year and you see without him uh you well you don't even want to check out seeing without him but think about what he what he brings to that team where he puts that team and how different it would be without him i'm not suggesting everybody needs to all of a sudden give him more credit he's getting a lot of credit right now but i would love not to see people so easily be able to go to the lack of an ncaa tournament resume on this kid who has put up tremendous numbers and stayed home and hung with it. I know people are going to say, well, what other options did he have? He couldn't go to the NBA. He couldn't do that. I don't care. Who cares? He stayed there. He's hung with it. He's worked his ass off. He's taken stuff that people said that he could not do and has done it. 
He has led the team both on the floor and off. I just would love to see him one of these days. I don't want to see him be described as, well, you did all this individual and all these individual numbers, but look in the NCAA tournament. I hope they get on a run. I hope they get hot. So that is not something that everybody is going to easily go to because you know that they will. I have a great deal of respect for what he has done, what he has accomplished. And hopefully he can close out this season. And listen, you can say, oh, you're just being, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm a realist on this. I'm somebody that has appreciated his game, and I like him a great deal. And I just don't want, I know where this type of stuff goes. It always goes back to what you haven't done. I mean, on the highest level, one of the greatest examples of all time is Dan Marino at the NFL level. All that guy did was throw for yardage and touchdowns. What's anybody ever talk about? You got it. I hope that is the final chapter. As it appears, this is the end result of the Trace Jackson Davis novel as we move down the stretch of the Big Ten regular season into the postseason. Jeff Rabjohn's bottom of the hour. Jake Query is going to join us coming up in the 4 o'clock hour and some NBA stuff with Evan Sidery in the 5 o'clock hour as well. Dave Matthews band tickets. He goes back to back. I want to say the 30th of June and the 1st of July per usual at Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. I don't know right in front of me what date it is. You don't care. I mean, free tickets, free tickets, right? You don't care. 30th, 1st, whatever. Got free Dave Matthews band tickets for you all week long beginning today again those dates the 30th and the 1st that's june the 30th and july the 1st at ruoff home mortgage music center thank you live nation and everybody for putting that together i cannot wait to give those away cue to call a little bit later on when you hear a dave matthews band song and i know for a lot of you because you go to these shows nonstop. and he he goes deep into the archives i don't really go deep into the archives I've been to one Dave Matthews Band show in my life, and I went with the awesome, not only the awesome dude, but one of the biggest Dave Matthews Band fans of all time, the great David Benner. We go to Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center, and I didn't recognize a song. I go, what in the world are they doing here? Oh, he knew, you know, and, and Benner knows this and that. And I'm thinking, hey, man, is there any too much here on the, we're, Where's the set list that has satellite on it? Ants marching on this set list at all. Where are you? And you're going deep. Every show, from what they say, is an experience. There you go. Dave Matthews band tickets for you. Coming up a little bit later on. Russell Westbrook to the Clippers. Keep on keeping on right there. Oh, yeah, too. As I mentioned, the Colts as well, bringing somebody back. Somebody that had been here. Somebody that you thought was going to bail and going to end up coaching things up over at Cincinnati. themselves. They're starting to stack together here some coaches on the Shane Steichen staff. That's tough to say right there. I got through it all right. 
Saw this just now, by the way, from Jeremy Fowler. The Colts are working to name Jim Bob Cooter as the offensive coordinator. This was, hold on a second. When is this happening? No, this was just within the yeah last 15 minutes or so. As I was talking here in this first segment, that, that popped out. Jeremy Fowler says Jim Bob Cooter expected to be named the offensive coordinator of the Colts per sources last year's past game coordinator in Jacksonville. The former Lions OC worked with quarterbacks Peyton Manning. Got to spell that with an E, my man. Matthew Stafford and Trevor Lawrence in the past. Jim Bob Cooter is the answer to all our prayers seriously right here. Now, the storyline I was going with was Justin Williams from The Athletic saying that the Colts are bringing back Tom Manning as tight ends coach. Manning was in Indy back in 2018. Uh, Remember back in 2018 had uh, Jack Doyle, Mo Alley-Cox, and Eric Ebron. Now he's going to have Jelani Woods, Alec Ogletree, and what's he going to go? The uh, Jelani, who am I, who else am I thinking of? Mo Alley-Cox, Woods, Ogletree. Come on. So that's the way that it, it looks as far as the tight end position is concerned. But maybe even the bigger news is that of what Jeremy Fowler is saying. Yeah, Andrew Ogletree is the other one. I'm sorry. Slipped my mind because he was injured at the beginning of the season. So we'll see, I believe, where he ends up being slotted in here. But that's a new quarterbacks check that a new tight ends coach and a new offensive coordinator coming according to jeremy fowler of espn.com there you go uh, jake query about that evan cider he's still to come and jeff rabjohn's at the bottom of the hour about iu purdue part two but before that iu michigan state coming up tomorrow night at nine o'clock in east lansing hope you're having a fantastic afternoon president's day hope back-to-back days hope you didn't have to do anything because for the month of february these back-to-back days have been great hopefully that is the case all right quick break and we shall come back 239-1070 if you guys want to jump on board inside the lounge via youtube live i'll wave at you right there you guys can get active talk communicate you can Knock out some opinions. It's what makes it fun. Listen to the show, watch the show, and be a part of the show inside the lounge via YouTube Live. HD Radio's got you if you have a vehicle that has that locked and loaded as well. The stream, the app, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Back with you next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. No, this isn't an argument. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. It's just contradiction. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It is not. It is. <laughs> you just contradicted me. No, I didn't. Oh, you did. No, 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 no. You did just no, no, now. No, no, nonsense. Oh, look, this is futile. No, it isn't. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Query, Evan Sidery. Jeff Rabjohn's going to join us coming up in a second. Jim Bob Cooter. 
reportedly expected to become the next offensive coordinator. In fact, the first for Shane Steichen here as the head coach. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN.com has that. Thank you very much. Yeah, Kylan Granson was the name I was leading out. I think I got Ogletree twice. I may even had Mo Alley Cox twice. Isn't that ridiculous? But Jim Bob Cooter. I know where you guys are going with that. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from pigs.com. It's uh, Jeff Rabjohns who is with us. Hello, Jeff. How are you? Awesome, man. How are you? I am great. I. It's funny. The 9 o'clock get-together always seems troublesome for anybody. But coming up tomorrow night, I'm trying to look at this two different ways, and I want to get your opinion on it. In, in preparation, obviously, I look ahead to IU and Purdue Part 2 on Saturday. Is this something good to get them ready, whereas I don't think Purdue plays this week? Or is it a detriment because it's tough as hell to play? It's a 9 o'clock start. It's a Tuesday night. How do you judge the expectation of tomorrow night in terms of preparation for Saturday in West Lafayette? Well, I think it's it's better if it's a Tuesday game than a Wednesday game because you get a little – you just, just one more day to prep for your Saturday opponent. Uh, I don't love the 9 p.m. starts. Um, you know, you're getting out of there, best-case scenario, 11.45-ish, something like that, um, hopping on the plane. So you get back to Bloomington, that's probably only about an hour flight, 12.45. So it's not terribly late, but but it's not great. Um, so I think it's eh, it's just okay. Um, it's, it's not a terrible thing. Um, and I know a lot of coaches are not fans of the whole week off. You know, they really like, you know, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday kind of thing. So, uh, overall, I, you know, I'm 50-50 on it. I don't, I don't think it's a big thing either way other than 9 p.m. starts. I just – I am not a fan of 9 p.m. starts. Jeff Rabjohns joins us. About this IU team, it was a grinder and it was a win at Michigan. You know, we talked about that. Um, it was a grinder and a win at home against Illinois on Saturday. When, when IU gets in a position where you got to grind one out, and especially given Illinois without – its best offensive player or some of the reasons behind that now it's a good thing it's a win but still you would think maybe there would be a little bit more margin for error that there there wasn't in this case on saturday what, what took place in that game that you noticed as to what iu needs to get better at going into this week with michigan state and purdue on the road well i think the biggest reason they're having tight games is one they are very, very, very dependent upon Trace Jackson Davis to, to be Superman. I mean, they are as heavily dependent upon one star player as maybe any really good team in the country. There's some mid to lows that are that are dependent upon one guy, but I'm talking about teams in the top 25. You know, I mean, I think everybody saw the stat. He has four career 25.10 rebound, five block games. No other Big Ten player has more than one in the last 25 years. So they're really asking him to be Superman pretty much every game. And Jalen Hutchfino has been really good. Um, I know he had a tough shooting game at, at, against Illinois, 5 for 17 from the field. For the last 77 seconds, he makes the, 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 the key two. He makes two free throws. He breaks the press. Three big-time plays that really helped win them that game in the last 77 seconds. So they're kind of dependent upon two, two guys. And I think the other thing is this. 
you know, they're just not getting much from three-point range. I mean, they rank 356th in the country in three-point rate, which means what percentage of your shots come from the arc. They're 356th. And then if you look at points created from the arc, um, they're 337th in the country. So they're not get, they're not taking many threes, and they're not producing a ton of points from the arc. So when you're when you're not doing that, it, the 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 analytics suggest you're going to be in more tight games. So I think that's part of the reason that they struggle sometimes to create separation. Um, you know, I mean, even at home against Rutgers, they win, but they win by six. Yeah. You know, they beat Purdue, which was a phenomenal win. I mean, you know, Purdue is number one in the country, not taking anything away from the win, but they win by five. You know, Illinois win by three, Michigan win by one. So they they deserve credit for winning these close games, which let's be honest, last four or five years, they were losing those games, pretty much all of them. Right. You know, any close game, they were losing. So they get credit for winning. But you asked why are they, you know, struggling to create separation? I think the big reason is they don't take many threes and they don't get um, very many points from three. Again, you know, when you're sitting there at 337th in the country in percentage of points per game produced from the arc, you're really dependent upon your inside game. I'll tell you what else, Jeff. Your margin for error is really tight because they got back and had a tremendous opportunity at Northwestern last Wednesday night, but it was an absolute slog to get back because you just don't have much of an option at all to try to get back into it with a three-point shot. No, no, they really don't. And then in that game, you know, they did get some timely threes. You know, Trey Galloway had a big one. Miller Cop had a big one. Um, and, and they got they had a stretch there where the, the three-pointer was very helpful for them. But when that's not a regular thing of your offense, you're really dependent upon your defense to clamp down, and you're really dependent upon your inside game. And you're asking, I mean, they are asking Trace Jackson Davis to carry an unbelievable load. And one of the reasons I think he should get National Player of the Year uh, consideration is when you look at percentage of points that he's asked to create, percentage of rebounds, um, his shot blocking, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who's been more consistently impactful for a top-20 team in the country. I know Purdue fans are going to run to Zach Eady, and that's very fair. He obviously deserves National Player of the Year consideration as well. But when you look at percentage of a team's points, rebounds, blocks, Trace Jackson Davis is carrying an enormous load for a national top 20 team. I I was going to ask you that, too, because I was going to go – it seems to me like both Trace and Zach Eady are incredibly comparable about what they mean to their team in terms of the load offensively that they carry. I, I don't know if you have done the research on this. I'd love to know, you know, how close or maybe in this case not close this might be because at times these two teams can be eerily similar in terms of how they're scoring, who's doing it, and then who's not. Oh yeah. Very much so. Um I think both teams for the most part this season, uh, they go as their stars go. 
And, you know, I don't know exactly the total, you know, comparison. You can, you can compare raw numbers, and that's part of it. Um, but I think it would be interesting to look at, you know, percentage of points, percentage of rebounds, percentage of block shots that each guy is getting for his team. Um, heck, that's, that's a good story idea, man. You may have just helped me out with a good story idea going into no, I, I'm, I'm here to help. I am. I, I, I try to not to be a burden. I try to help. I, I have, honestly, on this show, without any research whatsoever, which is – incredibly unsurprising is I, I I think that these guys are right there together and their team success is for the most part I won't say solely but for the most part reliant on what these guys do night in and night out and, and both are going to struggle in certainly made threes and, and, and I guess it's a bad thing because you look back at Purdue they got down you know at double figures they end up coming back in the second half but these two teams to me if you get down are not going to shoot their way back into it by going down low and getting two point baskets from their stars it's just not something you see very often really on any level anymore no no it's not I mean the game has really changed. Um, you know, you look at uh, Alabama sitting there, number one in the country. You know, they've got a coach who, you know, um, I think everybody's seen some of the stories. You know, no mid range. Need no mid range. Do not shoot mid ranges. Take threes or th- throw it inside or drive it. And that that's what the game is becoming more, more and more. And I, I think you know to have success at the highest possible levels. Um, you know, I, I think you have to have a, a good percentage of your points come from three to give yourself the best chance to win. Now, that doesn't mean you can't win doing it differently. You, you certainly can. Um, you know, Indiana and Purdue are examples. Although Purdue, you know, with, with Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, I think, you know, they're, they're shooting the ball reasonably well. Although yeah. I use three-point percentage uh, on the season um, is, is actually higher than Purdue's. You know, I think there's sort of a perception because IU doesn't take a lot of threes. Some people say, oh, that they're a bad shooting team. They're actually not a bad shooting team, percentage-wise. Indiana's a good shooting team, percentage-wise, from threes. The issue for IU is that they just don't take very many. And it's that old thing. And I can't remember exactly where the analytics break it down. It's somewhere around 42 to 40%, 42 to 44%. If you're shooting around there, percentage-wise, you should take more. Because even in, let's say you're shooting 44%, if you take more and the percentage drops down to 40 percentage drops down, but your points per possession actually goes up. So on the analytics, you should actually, when you're a good shooting team, you should take more even if the percentage comes down slightly. Now with IU, when you have Trace Jackson Davis inside, who's been so dominant, or when you're, when you're Purdue and you have a Zach Eady, it's very understandable, you know, ride your horse. You know, when you have an All-American, a National Player of the Year candidate, certainly there's a case to be made for, hey, play through your stud. You see a lot more of Trace bringing it up, you know, not to start a set or something, but bringing it up on on a break. How has that evolved over this past year or maybe even years, for example? Sure, sure. That, that's something Woodson likes. And it goes back to when he had certain guys in the NBA who he felt could bring the ball up. Again, not like a point guard or anything, or not like you said, the starter set, but, but bring it up. And the idea is um, if the guy who gets the rebound can turn around and start bringing it up immediately, it, it puts a little more pressure on the defense because the defense has to try to get set faster. They don't have that extra time for they got to get the defensive rebound, stand there for a second, the guard come toward him, which means the guard is usually coming backward toward away from his offensive basket, get the ball to guard. 
So Trace gets a rebound turn, starts bringing it up. The idea is, you know, just puts a little more, a second or two more pressure on the defense. And then that's something that Woodson likes. You know, it's something that they practice, something they work on. Um, it's something I think he'll probably do with Malik Renault moving forward. Um, I don't know about next year, but certainly, you know, it, it is it is a staple and an idea that Woodson does like. So Jeff Rabjohns of Peaks.com, IU, Michigan State tomorrow night at 9 o'clock, East Lansing, and then on the road at Mackey coming up on Saturday evening against the Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, again, Rabbi's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So you had reported, tweeted out after the game on Saturday afternoon that Trace Jackson Davis had told you that he is not going to come back. This will be his final season in Bloomington playing for IU. And I was kind of curious, was that at all based upon – uh, just a decision where he is right now, is it based upon information he's gathered? I, I'm, how did he ultimately, I guess, come to this conclusion? What was that reason? Well, you know, I don't want to speak specifically for Trace, but based upon the vibe that I get, um, you know, he's he's gotten um, pretty good feedback from, you know, the NBA, not mock drafts, not people like me in the media, but actual NBA feedback. Um, there have been NBA scouts at, at most of the IU games. IU had a pro day earlier in the year um, when, when you know, all, I think all but one or two NBA teams were there. So NBA scouts have seen him up close. They've seen him in practice. Um, and one thing that's interesting, and people are going to freak out when I say this, but, you know, he does shoot the ball pretty well in practice. There are NBA scouts who have told me, you know, we're not scared of his shot. You know, he, he's not going to be taking him in the college game. We understand that. But we're not scared of the shot. And so I think that's part of it. Um, and I think the other part is, you know, he's probably as hot as he's ever going to be. Um, he's, he's, you know, 22, 23 years old. And there's the, the belief that another year in college does not change anything as far as what his entry point into college basketball would be. Entry point meaning whether you get drafted or an undrafted free agent or whatever. And right now, the chances of him going um, in the top half of the second round are pretty strong. And maybe with workouts within the individual NBA teams, if he shoots the ball well, maybe he moves up a little bit. So I think you add all those factors together, and I think he and, and his family just, you know, sat down and decided, you know, this is the best move to to go ahead and go become a pro now. Obviously, he'd return to college basketball and dominate again, but all that would be doing is it would be doing two things. One, you get a year older, which makes you slightly less attractive to the NBA. Uh, you risk injury, which isn't great, and you risk the fact that maybe you have a bad year. You know, and I don't know that Trace Jackson Davis is ever going to play better than he is right now. His January and February have been phenomenal basketball. If he played an entire season like he has played in January and February, he might right now be the hands down national player of the year. And so I think from his perspective, all these things add up to now is the best time to go ahead and, and, and turn pro. Are, are these two of the most productive months for an individual IU player that we have seen? In modern times, yes, without question. Um, I mean, I think you'd have to go back to, um, I mean, as far as production overall, when you look at points, rebounds, yeah. and block shots. Cause, I mean, I he's, mean he's, he's had some it, Steve Downing type of games there. Which, that's what I was going to say. I yeah. mean, you got to go back to Downing, and if you're talking about scoring, or if you want to go scoring rebounds and assists, you might have to go back to Mike Woodson. 
um, like when, when he came back from that, that from his right. back surgery and he had that incredible eight game stretch. Um, but yeah, you'd have to go back 25, 30 years, maybe more. And if you're talking about po- dominant post players, you really might have to go back to Steve Downing. Yeah, I was I was thinking about that. The other thing, Jeff, in closing here that I, I was thinking about, I, I so want to see them get hot. Um, if for nothing else, because I, I don't have a rooting interest, uh, but if for nothing else, I, I want – I don't want the, well, look what he did individually, but look what he did not do in the NCAA tournament. And I don't want that to be brought up. I want it to be balanced because I think this kid has worked so incredibly hard on on becoming a high-level basketball player and, and trying to counter all that people said that he wasn't or was never going to be. And I want to be able to check that thing off the list. I don't want that to be something they can can go back and say, well, look, individually, great. Look at the numbers. But collectively, what did it lead to? I hope that he puts that to bed this season. Sure, and I, I think anybody that knows Trace, um, you know, uh, wants that for him because I think some of the criticism has been incredibly misguided not only unfair, but it's been misguided because on a couple of teams, you know, there wasn't a lot around him. And that's not his fault. You know, he, he, he wasn't in charge of recruiting. He was not in charge of roster management. He was in charge of playing his butt off, which he's done incredibly well for four years. I mean, 2000, the first, I mean, think about this. The only player in Indiana basketball history, all the great players that they've had, there's one who has 2,000 points and 1,000 rebounds. One. And that, that's, that's pretty crazy to think about. Um, but, yeah, I mean, sometimes people say, you know, I think you and I talked about this before. It's a little nostalgia thing. Sometimes people love somebody who, oh, they, they won a lot. So I love so-and-so. Well, why do you love him? Well, because he played on my favorite team and they won a lot when he was there and that, and they won a lot and that made me happy. And that's very understandable. It's normal, it's a normal you know, nostalgia is a normal thing for, for fans. But that does not take away from achievement. And what Trace Jackson Davis has achieved uh, can no way be impugned. But I do agree with your point that an NCAA tournament run just takes that negative argument off the table. Yeah. And yeah. people would not be able to say, well, he was great, but didn't do much in the tournament. Well, I you mean, know? Yeah. He, he squashed he a lot of things. It. Yeah. I mean, he, Jeff, he, he has, off the table. It, it, nobody ever thought he could be an, an on or off the floor leader. He's he's done that. I, I mean, he's checked off a lot of those things people thought that he wasn't going to be able to do. And and this would be one that would be significant because it's always going to be where some will will double back and, and talk about if there's not a getting hot streak or some sort of run in this NCAA tournament. Finally, Xavier Johnson. Um, what what are we thinking here? Anything at all? Uh, I I still think late February. We're almost there. So late. Are we talking next week? <laughs> I'm not going to put it on you, so I'm just curious. So. No, we're, we're in the later portion of February. I said late February. Late, late, late February. Um, and then, and even that's not a guarantee. Yeah. I, I just think from, from, from the vibe that I get, that's the most likely scenario. And again, when somebody's coming back from something like foot surgery, you know, they got to be healthy enough not just to walk around like you or me or go, you know, run up and down playing noon ball. They got to be able to cut and move and plant and stop in a, in a high major college basketball game. So most likely scenario is not a guarantee. It is. I want to make sure that that's clear. It's not a guarantee, but late February, um, that's what I got told 
while ago. That's what I got told a week ago. That's what I, you know, got told recently. You stick to so it. I still think. I still think. Well, I'm just saying the what I've been told hasn't changed. And again, what the way it's been phrased is most likely scenario. So I think I still think late February is most likely scenario. So Jeff Rabjohns of Pigs.com on the road tomorrow at East Lansing, and then obviously West Lafayette coming up on Saturday evening. You got Michigan State, you got Purdue on the schedule this week. A big one for IU basketball. Jeff's via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pileline. It's always a pleasure, my friend. I appreciate you. Satan, always good talking to you, bud. We'll see you soon. Jeff Rabjohns of Pigs.com. Quick break, we'll come back. Your calls, Jake Query, top of the hour. Evan Sidery talks NBA as well. Jim Bob Cooter appears to be about set to sign for real as the next offensive coordinator of the Colts and the first for the tenure of Shane Steichen, the new head coach of the Colts. We'll hit that and a lot more with you next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Now you listen here. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. Now go away. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Jeff Rabjohn's podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Trace Jackson Davis, this will be the final season in Bloomington. IU Michigan State tomorrow night. IU Purdue coming up on Saturday. Evan Sidery, Basketball News. Jake Query of this station and its morning show, Kevin and Query. Four and five o'clock this afternoon, respectively. Hope you're having a fantastic President's Day. Hope you have the day off. I hope, well, yesterday and today you haven't had to do anything because the weather has been fantastic for the month of February. Hey, JMV, I saw you tweet this a little bit earlier today. Is that really the bat that you used back in 1987? Indeed. It is an Easton bat, 33 and a half Easton bat, Easton green is I think what most people described it as back in the day and still today. Eastern green or an Eastern green bat that I used at Eastern Green High School in 1987 that produced four home runs for me. It got a crack in it, and much like me, I didn't want to throw it away, so I decided to go ahead and keep it. And uh, my mom had somebody turn it into a lamp. My mom had somebody turn it into a lamp, and I love it. It's actually a floor lamp, too, which is outstanding. But that is true. Hey, JMV, could you ask Mike DiRocco why Jim Bob Cooter is leaving Trevor Lawrence and the best team in the AFC South for Indy? Boom. Mike DiRocco, ESPN.com. There you go. You ready? James, write that Mike DiRocco. You got Mike DiRocco's number? Get with somebody that has DeRocco's number because I think that that is, Chris Phillips, an excellent question. Let me get DeRocco on regarding Jim Bob Cooter. Uh, Matthew's at 239-1070. Hello, Matthew. 
Hey, JMB. How are things in Maine, Matthew? Um, things are pretty good today. Sunnies in, in 40s. we got some snow coming this weekend. Oh, that's a bummer. Well, I mean, you're used to that, though. That's the type of weather you get all the time. Oh, yeah, always. What do you got? Uh, well, I th- have not forgot about the bet that Lick and I have over the upcoming IU and Purdue game. Right. on Saturday night. So I want to make sure that Lick's going to be the one calling in on Monday. All right. I'm checking right now inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Oh, I see. Le- oh, yeah. You guys do, right? So, <laughs> yeah. So, Lick, yeah, okay. I got you. What, what's the bet over? I, I can't go scroll that far back here. What What's on the line? Just that the, uh, the fan of the losing team has to call into your show and sing the praises of, of the winning team. Which That's I, beautiful. Do, it's going to be a little bit difficult for me if IU ends up winning because I do not know that much about them. Do we do we know if Lick has ever called in the show? We do not. Yeah, I'm not sure. Good question. All right. There's a first time for everything. I will. Uh, I'll watch that because I can't wait to see the outcome of it. I love, and I mean I love a good IU-Purdue bet. Love it. Same here. All right. Matthew, great call on Saturday night, too. Aha, take on me. Man from Norway, still on tour today, rarely comes to the United States, unfortunately. Yeah. Do, you, yeah. do you know why I requested that song? Because that's your favorite 80s song. Yes, not only that, but Maine Department of Transportation lost a traffic sign in the ocean a few years back, and it washed up in Norway like four months later. <laughs> really? True story. Wait a minute. A traffic <laughs> sign in Maine? Got washed away, and then it washed up on the shores of Norway four months later? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Wow, that's incredible right there. It's well done out of you. Well done. Matthew, thank you. You're welcome. All right, that's four months to get from Maine to Norway, floating around the North Atlantic, huh? Evan Sattery, Basketball News, 5 o'clock hour. And listen, the the All-Star game, that's that's what it is. If you're still arguing about it, then you're probably good with just not watching it. Same holds true to the Daytona 500. I know, there are some aspects you don't dig. But many evidently do. That place looked packed yesterday, I will say that. So we'll get back to that. Evan Sattery, Basketball News, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, Jake Query, the morning show, is going to join us coming up on the other side. A variety of things. Again, as I mentioned, IU Michigan State coming up tomorrow. The IU Women Big Ten title. As of yesterday with that win over Purdue down in Bloomington. Uh, that and more in Dave Matthews Band tickets coming at you before the end of the show. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Ahoy, Paloy. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Matt Ryan... NFL broadcasting? We'll hit that story coming up. Daytona yesterday, the All-Star game yesterday. IU-Purdue coming up Saturday. IU's got a test at Michigan State coming up at 9 o'clock tomorrow night. IU women, uh, high school basketball girls state finals coming up. I actually went to the semifinal in the semi-state on Saturday morning, Center Grove in Bedford, North Lawrence. 
Uh, Jeff Allen, the Bedford North Lawrence coach, is a friend of mine, actually from my high school. I think he was nine years older. He was the class of 79. He has been the Bedford North Lawrence girls coach since 2014. Uh, Took over after Damon Bailey. Went to be on, I think, Kurt Godlewski's staff at Butler back then. But for the past nine years, Jeff Allen has been the head coach of Bedford North Lawrence. Uh, daughters, really good players uh, in the past there, certainly. Uh, one attended IU, I think, for a season. But his story is even more interesting because yeah, coming out of Eastern in 1979, he goes and plays for Dan Sparks. I want to say that might have been Dan Sparks' first year down at Vincennes. I could be wrong about that, though. But he went to play for Dan Sparks at Vincennes, two years at Vincennes, and then was recruited by Ray Meyer. The year after, the year after Mark Aguirre left DePaul, he was recruited by Ray Meyer to be a part of that DePaul Blue Demon team in the early 80s. And if you can remember, DePaul was really good. I think his junior season, he was there. Terry Cummings was their leading scorer. Tyrone Corbin was on the team. And uh, then his senior season, I think it was just Tyrone Corbin. Remember names like Skip Dillard? Uh, Was it Kenny Patterson? Was another one there? But he has an an incredible story. I want to say also trained... I have to ask Hummel this when I have him on again. Robbie Hummel and Etwan Moore, among others, up in Northwest Indiana. He he'd worked for a number of years at the uh, the Chicago Mercantile as a pit trader, an independent pit trader. But a hell of a story. I'm going to get him on later on this week too. His team is good. I saw them beat Center Grove, then they beat Lawrence North, and they are in the uh, 4A state title game coming up on Saturday. But now nah, it's a good list of teams, including Greg Rakestraw's Lanesville team, and we'll talk to Greg about that coming up on tomorrow's show. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, one of the reasons why I brought this up is because I think. Jake Query and Kevin Bowen this morning on the morning show were talking about, you know, some of the connections and the relatables with these teams in the state finals this Saturday. And there's one for you right there regarding some background, a a quick thumbnail sketch of Jeff Allen, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. And we were talking about it this morning because Kevin was asking, you know, about Bailey coaching there. That was when Damon's kids were playing there. Um, And I didn't know who immediately followed him. So that was pretty cool that he's an Eastern green guy. So that, do you guys arm wrestle for for notable alumni section? Nah, he would kill me. Wikipedia page. He would he would kill me. His um his parents his mom just recently passed away. His mom and my mom were were really good friends. They actually he grew up literally a quarter of a mile down the road from me in, in Owensburg. He was just nine years older than I was. Yeah, pardon my naivete here because yeah. I know it's been mentioned a lot on this program. Tell me the the name of your hometown, and then in what town is your high school? Owens, Owensburg, Indiana is my hometown, and it, it has 250 people, I think, is the population, if that many. And uh, Eastern Heights is where Eastern Green is located, and or Eastern Heights or Little Cincinnati is what it calls. So Eastern High School, Eastern Green's made up of Owensburg, Salisbury, Hendricksville, Eastern Heights, Little Cincinnati, Ridgeport, and uh, Hobbyville. 
And then <laughs> what is the county seat of Greene County? Bloomfield. Okay. So yeah. you get so like if you gotta go to jail, you go to Bloomfield. Yes. I've never you done that either. I've never had the pleasure. That yeah. What's that? <laughs> I said, and you know no one from your graduating class <laughs> ever had to go to jail. Yeah. There was no way we were driving cars well before we had our license down there. No way that ever that's happened. Right. So That's right. It, that's, those are, that's the part of the state where you talk to people, and they're like, I learned to drive a tractor when I was eight. And you're like, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's funny. People always said, oh, wow, you're getting a driver's license. It's such a big deal. And I'm thinking we were driving around when we were 12, old cars around there all the time. I, like, we, we had motorcycles. We all had off-road motorcycles, and we drove to Bloomington through back roads. We drove to Bloomfield through back roads. You can get to Bedford through back roads. Pretty incredible. Yeah. You know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I went to IU. I've never been to the Corys. I never yeah. went, like, yeah. I, I want to say they were pretty much closed by the time I was in college, and you really couldn't even get to them. But, like, I know, like, Pat Knight used to go there, because obviously he grew up in the area, so he, he did. knew where they were. Yeah. But I've never been. Did you ever go, like, rock diving? Um, I did not. I, I was. I probably wasn't going to jump off of uh, one of those quarry rock formations into water where you didn't know if there was going to be a big rock you know, three feet under the water or if it was going to be yeah. better than that. I, yeah, I, I went out there before, but I don't, I didn't do any jumping. I think I went out there when it wasn't even the summer once. So. I, and I don't even know, can you even, if you wanted to, can you even get back to the quarries now? Or is it I, I don't even think off? they're even back there anymore. Yeah. So I mean, I've got a lot of listeners from Ellettsville that could tell me that for real, but I don't even think they're back. To, for example, where they did that in in Breaking Away, that particular scene or those couple of scenes, I don't think that even exists any longer. I could be wrong, yeah, but I think I mean, they I had know, to clean it up. I just went to go see a re-release of Going All the Way, which was done, Ben Affleck was in it, and it was in 97 when they filmed it, 96, something like that. And they filmed scenes in the quarries, and I don't think where the, I don't think that's still there. I mean, I, yeah. I guess they didn't just fill them in, but I, you know, I have no idea. But yeah, I don't. I don't think you. Going. If you're Mooch, I don't think you could dive in. Oh no, I'm sorry. Was it Mooch or was it Mike? It was Mike that like went in the refrigerator and shut the door, and they thought he was stuck in there, but it had the back of it was off. Remember that scene? Oh yeah. So there's a lot of places in Bloomington that no longer exist that were awesome in terms of being in the film breaking away the pizza place yeah, notwithstanding no doubt yeah the the union where they throw the bowling ball through <laughs> i mean that's last time i was at iu i went to the union where it used to, it used to be like a food court now it's yeah. like starbucks what the hell is this i'm telling you we had our uh, our prom was in the what's it called the frangie panty room whatever in the memorial yeah, union our junior prom was there used to be hanging out too much that's right yeah, well, I mean, we have the class of 84, and I've told this on the show before, they have incredible photos, and I'll have to, to bring them in and show them sometime in the yearbook of the uh, the tryouts of the men's Olympic team at 84, and the class of 84, that was before I was in junior high still, they had the prom there, and there are photos of some of the, the players trying out for the Olympic team dancing with the girls of Eastern. Now, who would have been, other than Barkley, here, here's a good trivia question for you. That yeah. 84 Olympic team you're talking about, the, Barkley was, this, I think Barkley was simply cut. Do you know who the top alternate was for that team? 
It wasn't Stockton, was it? It was Stockton. Uh, yeah, there was Stockton, and there was so there were two. I can't remember who the other was. But Malone, was Carl, did Carl Malone try out from Louisiana Tech? Yeah, I don't. I mean, one would think he, he surely I, I would have been on the list. He was a an '85 guy. I think he came to the NBA in '85, which would have been right. a year he came prior. Out the same year as Tisdale, right? Yeah. But I just remember, you know, Barkley getting cut was such a huge deal at that time, and then. You know, everybody, Alfred kind of got bad mouth because yes. he's like, he's only on the team because of night, but he turned out to be one of their better shooters. But that team, man, Leon Wood, Alvin Robertson, Vern Fleming obviously was on it. You know, I think I told you when I was at IU, John, and I, and I was friends with Pat Knight, and one time we went over to his mom's house. I probably told you this story. And we were going down in the basement in his mom's house, and on the ceiling of the stairwell as you go down the basement – there was a poster, like scotch taped on the ceiling, and it was the Olympic 84 Olympic team po- promotional poster signed in gold paint pen by the entire roster. Man, that's awesome. And it's just hanging in the basement. Yeah. I'm like, it's got Jordan Perkins, Worthy. <laughs> uh, not Worthy, obviously. Jordan Perkins, Tisdale, Ewing, Mullen. I'm like, good Lord, man. Yeah. Just hanging there as if it's like a promotional poster for Wendy's. Yeah, Joe Klein and John Conkak and Jeff Turner. Yeah, Klein and Conkak. Jeff Turner, did you say that from uh, Vanderbilt? Jeff, Jeff Turner from Vanderbilt, yeah. Yeah, that was the greatest amateur team ever assembled. Anyway, Je- uh, hey, by the way, Jeff Turner was era? Jeff Turner would be so like the type of night player. You, you could get that. I remember getting that, you know, kind of the count on him to do anything type of guy. You know what I mean? Not necessarily you had enough scoring, you had all this. I mean, really, they had Jordan, so what were you going to do? And Knight knew that, but it the Jeff Turner was kind of the, the Swiss Army knife that always didn't get enough credit, but you always knew that or at least expected Bob Knight would want somebody like that as a part of the team. Of course, and I mean, you always had to have, you know, and that's – like Leon Wood and Albert Robertson. I mean, were they great offensive point guards? No, but they were good defenders. Vern Fleming could obviously facilitate. And then you had all the, you know, you had all the shooting you needed between Alford and Mullen for crying out loud. And then you had Tisdale as a mid range game. I mean, it's, you know, they look the way they were assembled. And I guess I'm going back to my night sycophant of, of that age range, but they were assembled the way he wanted the team assembled. And obviously it worked right. And to your point, they probably could have had Jordan, I mean, Jordan, Ewing, and Tisdale. Those three alone. They could have had those three and then me, you, and Kevin Bowen yeah. probably won it, right? <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Hey, which version of Sam Perkins did you like better? The one that we saw here where he was, you know, basically a set shot three-point guy or the one that was more mobile and tough to deal with on the interior, left-handed, long and lean? Because he he had a couple of of versions of Sam Perkins, even over the course of his NBA career. Which was your favorite? Because he he still remains one of my favorite pacers of all time. Loved him. Loved him. Obviously – Look, recency and 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 locality bias. I'm going with with the Pacer Perkins, the big smooth. But the versatility of his game, especially like in the Dallas years, was was really fun to watch. And I think I've told you before one of the most fascinating things ever. And this comes courtesy of Mark Monteith. But Monteith was so intrigued by Perkins late in his career signing with Indiana that he wanted to know if, if Perkins just liked the fact that he could hang out on the three-point line and, and just be a veteran leader. 
and kind of asked him a question leading into that, like how important was it to be a leader and to come to a team where you know that they had really good players? And Perkins said, no, nah, man, more than anything else, after spending the vast majority of my career in Seattle, I just wanted to go to a, to a team where I never had more than a three-hour flight anywhere. And Indianapolis was centrally located. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? That's probably a good point, though. Can you imagine if you played for Miami or Seattle and you know that 90% of the flights you take for away games are five hours or more? Dude, that would get old fast. Yeah. Um, maybe the Seattle thing. Well, I don't, the Miami thing is not going to get old for anybody anymore. It, it, You know what? It would be great if that angle could be utilized and realistic in this era. You know what I mean? Instead of it yeah. just being a flyover place where uh, a lot of folks say that they're in and out of really quick and don't really care. Then hopefully in the future, no, Tyrese right. Halliburton is not one of those. Uh, you got to hope, right? I mean, you got to hope that Halliburton, Matherin, and then whoever they draft, you know, they're going to have three of the top 35 picks in this year's draft, assuming they hold on to them. If you can get one or two of them in that, man, three, three years from now, they could be really, really good. But they got to hope everybody sticks around. Yeah, I was thinking about that though. The uh, the frangy panty room was uh, it was I, that was like only in eighth grade um, when when the eighty four thing happened. But those pictures are are pretty good. But it was always interesting having our prom right there in the Memorial Union when you know everybody would just kind of walk by and poke their head in. Sometimes come in there. It was it was kind of cool. By the way, somebody just texted me, and this is correct, and I can't believe we spaced this. What's that? The other, uh, and thank you for whoever just texted me this, the other uh, alternate, John Stockton and Chuck Burson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We should have known that. Yeah. Yeah. So For some reason, I thought Malone was, but maybe I was wrong about that, too. So I mean, he definitely would have been in the tryouts for certain. He would have to have been. Yeah, I know that John Wertheim of Bloomington North High School that's on 60 Minutes did a – did a story about that what, in the last year, two years or something like that. So maybe it was long or whatever. He did an interesting story because he was in Bloomington at the time. As, I think he was around my age, maybe just a tad younger, maybe a, a, a grade lower than I was. And remember those times, too, where you saw these these guys everywhere. I mean, there wasn't a lot to do. They were playing video games in the Memorial Union, and you know, you'd see him at the college ball and things. It was an interesting summer, to say yeah. the least, spring and summer, I guess. I told you, if I have, stop me. I'm sure I have. Have I mentioned on this program with you before the Bob Knight, Digger Phelps, uh, Jay Burson story from the 84 Olympics? The Jay Burson. Any story involving okay. Jay Burson, I got to hear. Let's do it. So, so Pat Knight told me this. So Digger Phelps helped out with the selection process for the 84 Olympic team. George Ravlin and um, – C.M. Newton were the assistant coaches, I think. And then Krzyzewski and Digger Phelps helped out with the process. Because Knight and Phelps were good friends. So they all show up to help out with the, the whole process of selecting the team. And Knight says, hey, guys, I got another guy here who's he's a, he's a high school coach over in Ohio. And he just loves basketball and wanted to be a part of this. And he's from the same area of the state that I'm from. So he wrote me a letter and just wants to be a part of it. So Digger He's going to help you out, whatever you need over the next couple of weeks. You just let him know, whatever. So Digger Phelps apparently is completely a condescending jerk to this guy for two weeks. Calls him towel boy and water boy, never calls him by his name, has him do all kinds of demeaning things, fetch me this, fetch me that, half flippant and half serious. This goes on for like two weeks. Of course, this is pre-Street and Smith, pre-Rivals, pre-ESPN.com, pre-Internet, obviously. 
So they get to the end of the, the two weeks, and Digger Phelps says, by the way, I didn't even ask, man. Like, so what part of Ohio are you from? The guy says, Springfield or wherever he was from. And Digger goes, oh, really? Yeah, there's a kid over there that apparently my assistant's been all over recruiting, just can shoot from anywhere. And I guess he's basically down to Ohio State and us, and so therefore I've got to get involved in recruiting, go over and make home business and whatnot. You, what do you know about a kid named Jay Burson? The guy goes, well, I know he's my son. In effect, two weeks ago, he's going to Ohio State. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Jay Burson was an incredible scorer. He and was, the only man. thing I remember was him wearing that big halo that brace. Yeah. yeah, he had the, he had that terrible neck injury. Mm. He had to wear that brace. He was a heck of a player. I mean, he was like 5'10 and, and 200 pounds soaking wet at the 160 pounds probably. But he could light it up, man. He could shoot. Yeah, no doubts about that. It's uh, Jay Query for the morning show. Kevin and Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. with us here on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan of the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So uh, go ahead and lock and load the Jim Bob Cooter jokes because here we go again. You're right. Former offensive assistant for the Colts for, you know, for three years, I think. And, um, you know, circuitous route to get back here, but Keep in mind, though, John, and, and I don't know, and, and I'm going to sound like an idiot. I, I mean, I get the fact, Kevin and I talked about it. I mean, just because he's offensive coordinator, as it appears as though he's going to be for the Colts, that is not to say that he's, you know, he's not going to be calling the plays, right? Right, so he's not. He'll oversee and set up the offense, but then he's, so basically, I guess essentially he'll prepare the menu, but he's not the one that's selecting the main dish. There's right? no doubt about that. Yes. So yeah. it's basically what Frank Reich did in Philly, right? So yeah, that's exactly yeah. what the enemy's doing in Kansas. Exactly. City, yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. You know. And then that other story that you mentioned is an interesting one of, you know, who knows what quarterback he'll be working with, but it's entirely possible that. And I think we know that Matt Ryan's not going to be around, but. When Matt Ryan starts talking about broadcasting, I think that means that Matt Ryan is well aware of the handwriting on the wall. No, I don't. Yeah, there's zero, zero question about that. So, yeah, that is that is the direction in which we're going. Alan Stanley brought up, don't forget about Dallas Comedies with DePaul. Dallas Comedies was later in the 80s. I was going early. Yeah, I was going early. Early 80s. When DePaul was really good, DePaul was really good then. There was all They were always on NBC. They were an independent, and if you look back at their schedule, it is weird, but they um, they were incredibly – they went to the Final Four in 79. I think they were there, obviously, playing Indiana State. But if I remember correctly, there were disappointments in both 80 and then in 81 because got- that's when the – when IU played the regional assembly hole, I think they were supposed to be one of the teams there, and I believe – they were they supposed to be there. St. Joe's. Joe's beat them, and then did UAB beat Kentucky? Is that how that went? I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. because I know that St. Jo- you know DePaul was the number one seed in the region, and St. Joe's upset them, and that really paved the path for Indiana, no question. And then Indiana did beat UAB, right? Right. They beat UAB, and, then- and I remember I was at that regional, and it was it's shocking. To know what Assembly Hall was hosting an NCAA tournament regional and how completely unfair that would have been for anybody in that building. Well, that 81 team, for many years, had the record for the largest margin, average margin of victory in the tournament. And I think Vegas in 90 came close to it. I think they still had the record, even though Vegas beat Duke by 30 in the 90 finals. 
But, I mean, they steamrolled everybody, man. They blew LSU out in the semifinal by, like, 18. They obviously beat Carolina by 13 in the championship game. I mean, once Isaiah took that team over, it was over with, man. Right. And they were off and running. So. I believe their first game was against Buck Williams and Albert King of Maryland, too. So yeah. That's well, not Maryland, that's not too bad played, at all. I, I'm pretty certain they played Maryland in the 76 tournament, too, didn't they? Might have. I just remember Buck Williams, who had a, a storied NBA career as certainly a rebounder, and for the most part in in New Jersey and in Portland. But uh, Albert King was a fantastic scorer back in the day, too. They were really good. Yeah, they were. They were, and you know, actually, one of those years, I think it was '81. Arkansas was really good too, which. You know, Eddie Sutton's Arkansas group was really good. That's when they hit a half-court shot. That's U.S. Reed in 81 hit a half-court shot, and they beat Louisville. I mean, you know what? I've got actually sitting right here, John. I got the – we're going to test it right here. I got a book (laughs) with the 81 bracket. Oh, no. Not a test. We're going to look it up. Uh Uh-oh, we're We're all going to get tested by jQuery here. I'm ready. 1981 NCAA tournament. Here we go. Finding Indiana's path. Uh, Indiana, coming out of the Mid-East region, yep. which doesn't even exist anymore, obviously. Uh, you know, it, that's the other thing, too, that's so funny. Is you had buys back then, right, which is weird. So they had to beat Maryland. Then after they beat Maryland, they had to beat Alabama-Birmingham, who had defeated Kentucky. And then that got them into the regional final where they beat St. Joe's, who had upset DePaul. Yeah. And then they, yeah, they blew out LSU and then – North Carolina. Nice teamwork on that, man. That, that Kentucky team was Dirk Menefield, Brett Barrup, Sam Bowie. Um, I think Jim, Jim, Mas- Jim Master was on that team but came off the bench, I think. That Kentucky team was, was pretty good, and they were not happy in the Bluegrass State. Well, you know what? I guarantee you I was plenty happy because there are a few things in my life I hate, but Kentucky's one of them. Was uh where where was Boston College? Was Boston College in the picture? Somehow I remember uh, Boston College being a part of that Mid East region. Am I wrong? You're talking about in the eighty one bracket? Yeah. All right, stand by. Uh Boston College was in fact defeated by Saint Joe's in the in the Sweet Sixteen before Saint Joe's went on and lost to Indiana. Indiana beat St. Joe's by 32, man. Yeah, that was a that was the that Michael Adams Boston Cup. Michael Adams, maybe John Bagley Boston College team, but maybe most notable because if the story is accurate, I believe Auburn head coach Bruce Pearl was in the Eagle mascot costume in Hell Bloomington yeah, really? during that. Yeah. Uh Boston College, by the way, I'm looking at their score where they beat actually they beat Ball State 93-90 in the first round of that uh in the first round there. Uh, Bagley was their leading scorer. He had 19. Yep. I think they had Bagley, Jay Murphy, and Michael Adams may either be a starter or he was coming off the bench, scoring a lot of points then. so uh, I, I don't see Adams. Oh, really? Uh, Murphy, 80... had, Murphy had 13. All right. Maybe it been 80. Maybe it was 82 for Adams. Anyway, it's, um, it's interesting to see the evolution of that, certainly. DePaul is altogether. the one, John, that I just, you know, I don't know that people now realize – how dominant DePaul was as a program when Ray Meyer was getting all those guys out of Chicago. And I mean, they, it was so much fun back then, with yeah. how good they were and the players that they had. I mean, Rod Strickland in later years, and then, you know, it just fell off. And I mean, now it's like they're completely forgotten about. It. I mean, Houston at least was a dominant program back then that's obviously back at the top, but 
I would love to see DePaul get back to that level. DePaul and Memphis State were two of them that were just dominant programs in the early to mid-80s as well. No doubt about that. Well, I mean, you had DePaul, Memphis Memphis State then, uh, Houston certainly then, and, you know, they're kind of re- reliving that that level high-quality basketball right now with Kelvin Sampson. But DePaul, you know, you had Aguirre, you had Terry Cummings was a part of that. I mentioned Tyrone you know, Corbin. They, they mean, had some really big NBA, high-quality, high-scoring level names. I mean, look, UAB was a was a good program then. Yeah. I mean, UAB was you know that was I think people now would hear that and go UAB. Come on, no, UAB was a legit program. I mean, when Gene Bardo was there, they were. I mean, that was a strong yep. program. Yep, it was. It was. All right, what you guys doing tomorrow morning that we need to be aware of? What's happening? Well, I can assure you that uh, you know the conversation just like what we're talking about with some of the changes <laughs> now with the Colts offensively, not to talk about the 83 tournament. That, that probably is not. No, good. no, no. That's, that's, that's okay though. It's just basketball time of year right now. So it's soaking up to here, here on the now. I, you, you look at IU and Purdue coming up on, on Saturday. Um, you, you look at IU tomorrow night at Michigan State. I'd, I'd love to see them stay clean and get to Purdue. And I mean, listen, it's going to be a fever pitch anyway. We know that, but it'd be nice to see IU stay clean and, and make that even more eventful with that matchup coming up on Saturday night. I can't wait well, for we'll it. Preview IU and Michigan State. We'll preview it tomorrow with Dane Fife at nine o'clock. Joe Rice is going to join us at eight thirty tomorrow. Um, so we'll have we'll have everything covered tomorrow. Start at seven a.m. and run up till ten. Ah, can't wait for that too. And Jim Bob Cooter, I'm sure you guys will be talking about that, right? JBC is I'll call him. I'm just going to call him JBC. <laughs> the JBC. <laughs> the J- JBC. Hey, by the way, we haven't been together. I'm just curious about this. How long are you guys going to be down at the combine every single day? Last year I was, and I can't remember if it was timing or I was doing remotes or what. But how can I? How can I reassure of me not being down there? Is there a way? Tell them that. <laughs> here's what you do. If you don't, so you don't want to go down, right? Is that what yeah. you're saying? Okay. Tell them that you just got an email from the NFL that says only one show per station can be live. I, and, and listen, the only reason I do want to go, if I can get Ballard, so you, if I can you get Ballard, I'd go. But I, just don't, I don't want to go down there where I sit by myself for three hours. Yeah, because I think everything's kind of done by the time you get yeah. on, right? If I can get Chris Ballard on, I would do that. I'm just kind of curious where all that may stand right now. Are you? You know, <laughs> I know that Mark – I know our bosses and Mark and Kevin iron out a lot of that stuff. We're down there for two days and yeah. I think three. I'm not sure if we're down there for two or three. The best part about it last year was the other teams had, like, set up kind of like their Lara Overton and Matt Taylor, and you know, like yeah. their internal stuff. And each day when everybody would get there about 7.30, and then as I was leaving at 10.15 each day, the Raiders guys would show up, and they looked like they'd been out all night. It was the best. They all had been at Tiki Bob's all night. It was the best. Can't do that now, baby. Um, no. I know. Yeah, you think about this. Two years ago when I was down there, Tom Telesco, who runs the Chargers, came over. And, of course, you know, back in the day with Polian, he was here. And it is. There's always this interesting moment when I'm down there. It sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. And and this was good. I I did not know if you remember when Bill Polian and Jay Moore had that argument on WNDE, a place where we both worked. It was where I was the producer and Mark Patrick was the host. And Bill Polian, the the general manager, team president of the Colts, got in an argument with actor comedian Jay Moore. Oh, yeah. um, Tom Telesco 
told me that he was actually in the room during that. He was um, some kind of special assistant, early stages of his career, told me he was in the room. And the one thing that he verified was the story that I had told about media relations guru Craig Kelly trying to hang up the phone as Polian was yelling at Jay Moore. He was reaching over Polian trying to hang it up, and Polian was fighting him off with his forearm. <laughs> because he didn't want him to hang up the phone. And I said, he told me that, and I just, I about lost it. Uh, that was fantastic. We will not move forward. <laughs> How about the best part of that call, and everybody's heard it. Yes. The best part of the call is when Polian says he wants to read what Jay Moore had said on with Jim Rome. The like, transcript. When he read the transcript, the I thought it was one of the goes, greatest moments in the history of radio here. It was. Hey, Romy, dude, what's happening? And then he pauses and goes, I'm reading this verbatim. <laughs> really? <laughs> Epic show today, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fan of Ursay. End quote. Oh, that was so good. So good. Hey, the one thing I did want to ask you, and I know where I'm way over here, but one final thing. What do you think about the Peyton Manning uh, Indianapolis 500 stuff? You like that? I, I, I do. Um, it's funny because it took me a second to realize who it was, to be honest with you. Um, I, I mean, when I saw the initial release of that promo and the, the, the commercial for IMS, it took me a second, and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. This is Peyton Manning voicing this. And that part of it is pretty cool because, you know, Manning is the first to say that this was a racing town when he got here, and he helped transform it into a football town. There's no doubt about that. Um, but Peyton Manning still to this day resonates to a lot of people nationally, obviously, what is sports relevant and sports cool. And for his voice to be attached to something – tells people outside of the city of Indianapolis that the Speedway must be pretty darn cool. So that aspect of it is a home run. If you look back on that decision that was made to depart from the Manning era and move to the Luck era, you think if we got to go back and do it all over again, you think it would be different knowing what we know now? Uh, Of course. Would would it easily be different? Would they just stuck it out, hoped he came back, hoped you could put something together even with having to cut a lot of those guys from that golden era? You think they would stick with it now instead of really – listen, he, he still comes back and, you know, obviously smiles when doing everything, but it's different, is it not? Oh, I mean – It's much God. different. If that never happens, and hindsight's twenty twenty, and it was the right call at the time in that moment in the vacuum, but if that never happens, then the Manning cast is taking place from 80th in, in Pennsylvania. Marshall Manning's an eighth grader right now or whatever he is, getting ready to go play at Park Tudor and throw for 4,000 yards a game, and ESPN's there. Manning's courtside at, like, every third pacer game. I mean, he is a staple in the city of Indianapolis and lives here like Archie did in New Orleans for the rest of his life. If that never happens, I am 1000% convinced of that. Woulda, coulda, shoulda, I realize it was the right call in the time in the vacuum, but it definitely leaves you wondering what could have been. Jake Query, the morning show, Kevin and Query, tomorrow morning, 7 until 10 a.m. And he says Dane Fife's going to be a part of it. So give that bad boy a listen, Jake. It's always a pleasure, man. Appreciate it.
All right, John. We'll see you. Thanks. So, uh, Jake Query, the morning show. Kevin and Query. I'm way over my bad. Quick break. We'll come back. Evan Sidery, top of the hour. A President's Day Monday on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Smokey, this is not NOM. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Jake Query, podcast 107.5thefan.com. Jeff Rabjohns is there as well. At IU Michigan State coming up tomorrow night. We'll preview that. Matt Painter, Boilermaker head coach, on this show coming up on Wednesday. So Matt Painter on the show Wednesday. And we'll get you set for round two of IU and Purdue. This time for Mackey Arena and West Lafayette with Matt Painter. That is coming up again on Wednesday. Uh, JMV, there's no better gift than being able to freely say Jim Bob Cooter on the air on a regular basis. The gift that just keeps on giving the Colts in the process, reportedly, of bringing Jim Bob Cooter back this time as the offensive coordinator under first-year head coach Shane Steichen. Hey, JMV, has anyone heard from that guy that got the tattoo of JMV sucks on his arm? Where the hell is he? I believe Mark Austin is around somewhere. I think he's around. Uh, that would be Mike Austin with the JMV Sucks tattoo. And not S-U-X. I think he put actually S-U-C-K-S. But either way, that works, and that is absolutely true. It is right there. But he is certainly around. Hey, JMV, I agree with you regarding Trace Jackson Davis, too. It just kind of seems like you squash everything if IU gets hot and gives themselves a little bit of a tournament run. I mean, right now, people would just say, oh, look at these great numbers, but... And I just love the fact that he has squashed so much of that negativity about his game over the years. He really has. I mean, he has answered... So many of these questions, so many of these criticisms that IU fans in particular have had regarding, and this would be that final one. Could not agree with you more on that. (laughs) Yeah, Dallas Comagees, DePaul, people will tend to forget you have to be my age to really know it. But back in the late 70s, early 80s, I want to say 79 were there in the Final Four with Michigan State and Indiana State. Right? I think it was, was it Indiana State, Michigan State, DePaul, and Penn, I think, together in that Final Four in Salt Lake City? Uh, Mark Aguirre was a part of that team. Mark Aguirre was a part of it in 1980. But they had some high-level Chicago-area basketball players back in the day. Uh, Ray Meyer was the coach. His son, Joey Meyer, took over as the coach. Dallas Comagees would be later in the 1980s, around 1987. I want to say Dallas Comagees was 87 because if you remember the one, uh, one shining moment video where IU won the national title, it's got Dallas Comagees pumping his fist in it. That's 
how you go to remember some of that stuff. Dallas Kamaji's pumping his fist in one shiny moment. Hey, JMV, I completely agree with you on your call, the All-Star game. Either you like it or you don't. Probably not a lot of old-school basketball folks like it. But they're just putting on a kind of a skill show. I mean, I did not watch it. I watched uh, What's Left of Us last night. I'll be honest with you. I thought last night was a clunker. I know that you can't have things that look like mushrooms come out of the ground and start eating people all the time. But I thought last last night, I fell asleep during last night's What's Left of Us episode. I, I did. I fell asleep. You know, the, the Grand Tetons and the background and all that, just great storyline. I just kind of lost me. Just uh, lost me a little bit. I think the girl cusses too much, too. Is that bad? I think she's great. What's her name? Bella Ramsey, the actress? I think Bella Ramsey's a spectacular. I think her character cusses too much. Am I wrong? James? I haven't actually seen the show yet. What? And I do like, what's his name? Pedro Pascal? Pedro Pascal, oh, yeah. He's legit. I do. I love the show. <laughs> JMV, what's left of us? <laughs> what is it? Am I, did I get it wrong? I it, get It's the last of us. The last of us. Darn it. What's left of us? It's pretty close. I think they could have called it what's left of us, and it would have been okay. Uh, Jeff, before the top of the hour break, go ahead, Jeff. How are you? Good. You made me reminisce on some 70s college basketball. Yes. 70, 77, Marquette wins mm-hmm. the national championship. And then in 78, did they not come to Market Square Arena and get beat by Miami of Ohio? They, the, 78, I remember Jack Givens in Kentucky. I remember Jim Spinarkle in Duke. Uh, the Marquette path uh, in 78, I do not remember. You might be right. That's one I would have to look up. Yeah, I think uh, Speedway's own Tom Dunn played at uh, Miami of Ohio that year, and I believe they beat um, Marquette. That might have been uh, Al's last year as coach. Or maybe he quit in 77 when they won the yeah. NCAA tournament. So, No, that's that's great recall right there. So there, was just, yep. there are some things in the past that I tend to remember. 78, I don't know if it's because Kentucky won, and we, you know nobody likes Kentucky around here except Hillbillies. Um, maybe that's it. I'll know. tell you a great one that you can always go back and watch is Chandler Thompson's dunk. Let me tell you. I think in, was that 90? 90, yeah. 90. What an incredible play. And it's, it really, it's the only – only team that gave um, UNLV anything. Yeah, they did. They, they, right. were, they were stacked. So, yeah, thanks, JMV. You got it, Jeff. Call anytime. Uh, JMV, you keep butchering the name, The Last of Us. You keep calling it What's Left of Us, although that's pretty accurate. <laughs> what's Left of Us? I'll be honest with you. I thought, I thought that the whole fungus type of angle was a little silly at the beginning, but no pun intended here. It's grown on me. The fungus angle has grown on me. It really, it, the, the whole fungus thing is really gross. It looks gross. What do they call them? Mushrooms? Like where I'm from, they call them toadstools. Mm-hmm. They look like people walking around with toadstools all over. Oh, yeah. Fungus. The, the fungus among us has kind of grown on me. 
a little bit right there. Sean Taylor says Ellie acts and talks just like her character in the video game. She was just assaulted. Have you played the video game? I actually haven't, but I'm planning on it here soon. Are you doing it just because? Uh, yeah, because I want to play it before I watch the show. People tell me, people tell me that the video game. Oh, it's exactly like the video game. Mm-hmm. Officer Craig says my wife is clowning you on the what's left of us. I call it this is us, so I feel better. <laughs> what's left of us? I have been entertained so far. Last night just. Last night didn't have enough juice for me. I mean, when that big fat mushroom thing comes out of the ground in the one before, I yeah, you 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 got to come back a little bit. You got to come back with it's kind of how I feel sometimes when I'm playing request and I got all these requests back to back. I mean, we're rolling through some great stuff, and then all of a sudden. You know, somebody requests meatloaf. That's kind of how it felt last night. What about Paradise by the Dashboard? I mean, everybody loves it. I just don't. That's kind of how I felt about that episode last night. Evan Sidery, basketball news, some NBA chatter and more. Rab John's Query, podcast 1075thefan.com. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Um, Dave Matthews Band tickets. This summer, Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. Your chance to win is at the 5 o'clock hour. Don't leave. The Ride with JMV. Attention, whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. The f- lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. And your mark was true. Hey, JMV, did I see you at Southport High School on Saturday morning? Yeah, my, my daughter Lenny and I went over to watch CG in Bedford, North Lawrence. Obviously, Laney goes to Center Grove. I like the Center Grove coaches a great deal, uh, basketball-wise. I mean, yeah, basketball-wise at the varsity level. And football-wise with Eric Moore. Not trying to leave anybody out here. But we went over to watch that, and especially because Jeff Allen, the head coach of Bedford North Lawrence, is somebody I've known forever. Nine years older than me, but uh, just an incredible resume in and around basketball. You know, I mentioned this to Jake a little bit earlier. He worked for the better part of, I want to say, 20 years as an independent pit trader at the Chicago Mercantile. So he worked as an independent pit trader at the Merc for about 20 years. And I want to say... Was it uh, October of 88? That was uh, Black Monday. I want to say that uh, he was working there when that went down. But an incredible story of basketball. Uh, what he's accomplished, where he has been. And I went over to watch at, at Southport Fieldhouse. Went over to watch CG and uh, Bedford North Lawrence. Both very talented, by the way. And Bedford North Lawrence, a part of that for a state title game with Fishers. Man, quite a weekend for them, too, which is pretty awesome. 
No, we'll get Jeff on the show a little bit later on this week and uh, you know, talk about some of his uh, his his rich basketball stories. He's got a lot of them. Really good stuff. And then I played at Southport Fieldhouse on Sunday morning and just stomped. Just a 53-year-old, big, whiny, sucky baby. I stunk and I was yelling. I was cussing. Cussing at the field house. It's all it is is just one of the greatest gyms of all time. And here's me cussing. I'm just I'm an embarrassment. I was an embarrassment. So yeah, I was over at Southport. And by the way, those of you that are asking me, um, this is called, and I'm not trying to pitch it here because for me it doesn't work. Fast Twitch from Gatorade. Anybody had this yet? I think it's relatively new. It does jack squat for me. Nothing. <laughs> Like the amino energy I dig, but yeah, this, I'm still searching for anything from this. Nothing. And you know me, I'm not like, oh, well, it's Gatorade, so I'm going to do it. Or, hey, look, uh, professional players pitch it, so I'm going to do it. I will take anything and everything to give me even more energy. And this just hasn't, hasn't lived up to the expectation as of yet. Strawberry watermelon is what we're rocking here today, if you can see that. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. Hey, Matt Painter's going to join us coming up on Wednesday. Mike DeRocco with a little bit more insight regarding Jim Bob Cooter, who was in Jacksonville a year ago working with Trevor Lawrence. Jim Bob Cooter reportedly on his way to become the offensive coordinator here for Shane Steichen. DeRocco is going to be on the show coming up tomorrow. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, friend of the show from Basketball News coming off the Salt Lake City All-Star Weekend. Next up, here in Indy, Evan Sidery is with us. Are you a big fan of All-Star Weekend as a whole? Yeah, I mean, when I was growing up, it was really a lot bigger deal than it is now, in my opinion. I mean, it just seems like guys were trying a lot harder back then in the games. We saw a lot better dunk competitions, for example. I think it was a better back then. And uh, looking at last night, I mean, it was a fun event, fun weekend, but kind of expected nowadays how it went. Yeah, I I just don't. You mentioned expected. I don't put any expectations. That's how it is, and that's how it's going to be until further notice. And and I kind of – it's not the same, but in my head – it's the same. It's like the Daytona 500 and everybody complaining about that. Oh, man, look at the way the overtime. And that's the way that it is. And I don't see a change on the horizon at any point. So, you know, either you watch it or you don't watch it in this case. And uh, I know a lot of people chose, I guess, last night not to watch the All-Star game because of the lack of, of what people would call real game time basketball. But again, with that event, I don't know what you would expect. Yeah, that's a really valid point for sure. I mean, we saw great individual games last night. I mean, Halliburton did great in his minutes. We saw Tatum, of course, Jason Tatum go for 55 points. I I mean, overall, it was all based around offense nowadays. I mean, as as we all know, the modern NBA is all about scoring. So I don't think people mind the points last night and the great individual performances. I think the Elam ending, too, like you mentioned earlier, I think that's a really good good idea to implement the last couple of years because it actually makes the game interesting the last couple of minutes. Yeah, and I don't even know if it still still does with that. What do you think about Mac McClung? Did he kind of with that effort? Really, I thought all three performed at a high level, the highest level we've seen in a while. If you pay attention to the dunk contest, but what did that bring on Saturday night to you? 
Yeah, that was fun. I mean, I would say it was probably the best dunk contest we've seen in about easily three or four years, maybe even going back to Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine about six, five or six years ago. But, I mean, honestly, McClung, I mean, I followed him a little bit coming up throughout the high school ranks. I know he played a little bit at Hinkle Fieldhouse when he was at Georgetown, played for Texas Tech a little bit after once he transferred. Very athletic player. I mean, this is expected if you've, if you've heard about him growing up. He's a really a hoop mixtape kind of player all throughout his career. He's been super athletic. He's a really good dunker, of course, and we saw it on display in the dunk contest there. It'll be fun to see him defend his crown next year in Indy because I think he mentioned after afterwards in post game that he has three or four more dunks he hadn't showed shown yet either. So that'll be a fun little storyline in the next year in Indy. Is he um is he on the end of the bench in Philly? What what what's his status? He plays for the Blue Coats, which is the Sixers. Uh, affiliate, uh, but he technically is on a two-way contract, but he's not really up that much and on the actual roster. So, is that accurate? How much he's made in his basketball career professionally compared to what he made over the weekend winning that, where it was more? Think, is that accurate? I think that's actually accurate because I think the G League salaries right now for a player like him are around a hundred thousand dollars or so, and I think he made a hundred thousand dollars winning the dunk contest. So, if it's not exceeding it, it's really, really close to matching him. So Evan, yeah, Evan Sidery, that is incredible right there. Uh, basketball news, talking about NBA All-Star weekend. Indy is, again, as we mentioned, on deck coming up next year. What what does that, that bring? And did everything go as according to plan in Salt Lake City this year? Yeah, I think it did go to plan just based off the Jazz. They got their, their star in there in Laurie Mark, and then he kind of had a little sub headline throughout the weekend as an all-star starter replacing of course Kevin Durant who got traded over to the Phoenix Suns and that was a good little storyline for them they had the skills competition as well with the team jazz so those are kind of things I expect next year for Indy if Halliburton has another great year next year or if they get lucky in the lottery and get Wimbenyama or Matherin takes a leap next year it'd be fun to see maybe one or a couple of those guys next year be in the all-star game as well and then maybe you see Halliburton and Buddy Heald back in the three-point contest for example and then also just the attraction of All-Star Weekend every single superstar in the NBA is going to be in Indiana for three days so that's going to be a really fun fun display downtown from Thursday through Sunday night it should be a really fun atmosphere with everyone in, in, in town so I got to get him out to one of my pickup games then you think any of those guys will come out I think I get somebody hey, down I mean, there I mean it, maybe if you offer him some cash <laughs> who knows <laughs> Yeah, well, there'll be none of that, Evan. Let me tell you. No offering of, of cash. Uh, Evan Sidery, Basketball News on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Before we get to where we are right now, Pacers and, and other teams and stretch run of the regular season, have you had the opportunity much past Winbayama or you know Scoot Henderson, uh, anybody else as far as the top three or four projections are concerned for the draft to look where the Pacers may end up in the range of what six somewhere in that neighborhood have a couple in round number one what they might be looking at as far as players of interest I know that things will change and, and change I'm sure dramatically Evan but just sitting here right now any thoughts on what the Pacers could add to this team the way that their season right now is headed yeah, there's a couple names up near the top of the board. I think Scoot Henderson with the G League Ignite, a really dynamic scoring guard. I actually don't know if he's actually the best fit in Indiana with Tyrese Halliburton because he'll want the ball a lot in his hands. He's only six foot one or six foot two, I believe, as well. So he'd be a really small backcourt with him and Halliburton. So I'm not really a fan 
of him and his fit in Indiana. But he's a great player overall. Uh, a couple guys I'm actually really intrigued by play for Overtime Elite, this high school affiliate uh, down in Atlanta, Georgia. It's the Thompson Twins, Ahmed and Asar. They're both about six foot seven, six foot. Well, I mean, the, the Thompson Twins was a great band of the '80s, so this is different. Yes, yes, different. Oh, man, I love Dr. Doctor. Can't you see I'm burning, burning? This is not the Thompson Twins you're talking about. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, they're they're great two-way players. And um, I actually think, I believe, a SAR is, is the, the longer wing type player. A men is more of the ball handling type. I might have that flip-flopped around there. I'll have to double-check afterwards. But both those guys kind of fit the same mold the Pacers need as far as an athletic wing, a developing shooter, a good defender, you have a good enough roster where you can develop those guys for a year or two, and hopefully they blossom when Halliburton and Matson are reaching, reaching their prime years. So that could be a really good idea there. There's a couple other names down the board. And I also, um, there's not, I haven't really dove deep into the board just yet past the top six or seven guys. So I think probably the Thompson twins are the two best fits there, but I actually have an idea for the Pacers. I, I'm just thinking long-term with them. Having all these picks, we heard, according to ESPN, Zach Lowe, that the Pacers did indeed offer three first-round picks for OG and Anobi. I do wonder if they do fall in the lottery, for example, John, like let's say eight or nine, if they don't retread that offer with Toronto or what, another win-now type of player if they have a good end of the season. So you you think that maybe, you know, we, we, we thought that the whole OG and Anobi thing might be done, but maybe – Maybe it's it's brought back to life a little bit here, correct? Yeah, I think it all depends on how the lottery shakes out. Because right. this is a really deep lottery, a really good class, to be honest. I've heard about six or seven guys, maybe eight, that could fit in this type of class that are really good players. Some may, may take longer than others to develop, but it's a it's highly regarded around the league as a very strong draft class. But if the Pacers, let's say, fall from – or if they have a good end of the season or they finish eight or nine and they fall to 10 or 11 in the lottery, for example, low chance of that happening, but there's still a chance. I think that that's a scenario there where the Pacers could really explore trading, uh, restarting those talks of Toronto, for example, for OG Ananobi or another win-now type of veteran who's on the market. Because this Pacers team, they only need a couple pieces on the wing. They have a really good young core. If they feel like the, the draft at that point around the, the back half of the lottery isn't strong enough, Right. I wouldn't be stunned at all if they did something like that. I think it honestly makes a lot of sense that that scenario doesn't unfold that way. I've said this all along. I Somebody that's already established, somebody that is more ready-made, I would almost – and again, it, it depends on the whole – the contract situation, but if it's somebody that, that fit the mold of this team right now, I wouldn't at all be sad if they decided to do that. No, I think it when you look at long-term at their salary sheet, too, you have Tyrese Halliburton coming up on his max extension – uh, he, he can eligible to sign that actually this upcoming summer, which will go into effect in the summer of 2024. I think this could be the offseason here where you could make a, a type of move for an Ananobi, for example, that type of mold of player where you get a veteran in here where you've seen already when this team is fully healthy in the first half of the season. This is a capable team that can, that can compete with anyone. When Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin and Miles Turner are all firing on all cylinders there. And I think, honestly, if they were to get lottery luck, or if not, if they do fall back, this is a good foundation for this team where they can build off of a really strong season heading into 2024. It's Evan Basketball News with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. What do you think this season? I was talking with Jeff Rabjohns of Peaks.com a little bit earlier regarding Trace Jackson Davis, telling him Saturday that this was going to be his final season collegiately in Bloomington. What, what has this season done 
for him? Anything at all has in the eyes of those NBA folks with his game at the next level? Yeah, it seems like just the big question around Trey Stroh's career, and I think he's kind of proven in some facets. I'll explain here in a second that he's improved on the kind of overshadowed this, but I think just the reason why he's not going to get higher than a mid-second round grade on most teams' boards is because he can't shoot on the perimeter. That's just a simple point in the NBA. If you can't space the floor, it's going to be hard for you to find minutes, and Trace just hasn't shown that throughout his career so far at IU. Obviously a dominant, dominant player in the collegiate ranks, but that's why some teams are trepidatious about Trace on the next level, because if he can't space the floor and provide that optimal space for their teammates, is he able to play more than 15, 20 minutes a night and be maybe more than just a, a microwave scoring big man, which I think he could be right away in the NBA. And I think something like the NBA Combine, for example, John, I think it takes place right after the, the lottery in Chicago where they have five-on-five scrimmages, three-on-threes, the testing and stuff like that. That's an, that's an environment where I think Trace is going to thrive, and that's where he could boost his stock a lot to like the late first-round range to potentially maybe the top 20 if all goes well. And that, that's, that's a stage to me where if you're an IU fan, circle around mid-May when the combine happens because that could be a, a really big uh, event where Trace gets his name buzzing out there. So we, um, we've described him enough as you know a, a rim runner. There's no doubt he's got you know NBA-level athleticism. He's, he's left-handed, which I'm sorry, that screws everybody up. I don't care how high-level smart basketball you are. You know, left-handed and having that hammer that he throws – you know, can be difficult to uh, to guard against with his level of athleticism. Is there anybody comparable right now to to his game that's that's getting more clock time than you know just sitting on the end of somebody's bench? Yeah, it's really that's a good question because he's shown throughout this season like two pauses he's really improved on. He, he's shown throughout his career that he was a great defender, but he's become an elite rim protector this year, and that's going to really translate immediately to the NBA level, in my opinion. So he can be a plus defender in the NBA. But the, I think the really underrated aspect, and I think you've told this before, is his playmaking ability. And he's really improved that this year, setting teammates up. When he gets to the trap or the double team put on him, he knows where to put on the perimeter, and more often than not, it leads to a bucket, which is a great sign for him long-term. If, let's say if he does need to be more a playmaker on the next level, he does check that box too. So he's a dominant scorer down low. He can maybe make a couple hook shots here and there. But the big question to me heading into his NBA career is going to be the shot. If he, if he can become a three-point shooter, he's going to have a 10-, 15-year career in the NBA. Evan Sidery of Basketball News with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Jalen hood Shafino is – a freshman, he's had some really good moments, some okay moments. Uh, most people would suggest that he is legit a draft-worthy type of player after season number one in Bloomington. Do you believe that? I do. I, I think he is definitely in that top 25 range. I wouldn't know if I'd go higher than that right now because he, he's shown some great flashes for sure. A couple games, he's really gone out of his way to show he's an NBA-worthy player. But other nights, he's just been so inconsistent where it's hard for me to get a read on how he's going to adjust to the next level right away as a one-and-done prospect. And he's a guy to me especially. I know we know Trace is not staying back next year. But I think Jalen Huchifino is a player to me where if he does stay back his sophomore season, he could really improve his stock to being a potential lottery pick because he has a great shooting stroke. He's a great defender when he's locked in, a good playmaker. He has great size for the NBA as a guard. I think he's a player to me where if he does decide to become the leader of this team for IU in 2023-24, I think he could be a lottery pick next year. 
It's, again, Evan Snyder with us. Let's just say for S's and G's right here, we were allowed to, oh, I don't know, repick the top 10, maybe top eight, maybe in last year's June NBA drafts. How would that go to you? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I would still probably go Paulo at one for Orlando. He, he's been fantastic this year. I can't say anything else about that. Oklahoma City, I would probably still go Chet Holmgren. I know he's been out all year, but his fit with the team with Josh Gideon, Chagos Alexander is still good to me. I think Houston at three, that's where I'd probably go Matherin. I, I think he's really shown, I mean, Pacers fans know, of course, how great of a year he's had. He's shown he's a great bucket getter already in the NBA, at 20-plus point-per-game score. So I think he'd probably go three to Houston. And that would certainly shake things up, wouldn't it? As far as the board goes for them, you'd probably have Jaden Ivey still going to Detroit at five. And then from there, uh, Jabari Smith probably would go before that point. So, yeah, that would be the five. And then let me think. Keegan Murray is one that I think we're, we, you haven't brought up yet. Keegan Murray, there, thank you. That's who I was going to take my time yeah. there. Keegan Murray, I think, would be going six there to the Pacers. So, I think in that scenario where Matherin would, let's say, go above them hypothetically, there's a good scenario where Indy still would have gotten Keegan Murray or Jaden Ivey. So, that, I think it worked out either I, way in the end. I haven't seen too much of Jabari Smith, but it, it seems like, at least numbers-wise, other than what you mentioned in Chet Holmgren being unavailable because of that injury, it seems like these guys have put up pretty good numbers. There hasn't been a, a legitimate disappointment among these names, correct? Uh, I would say maybe disappointment would be Jabari Smith in Houston, but the the environment in Houston right now is a disaster. It's all young guys. There's no veteran leaders there. They're, they're, ta- they're outright tanking to lose games at this point to try to get Victor Wembanyama. I think they've lost 20 of their last 22 games. So I think they're the youngest roster in the NBA, too. They have about eight or nine lottery picks they have on their roster over the last four or five years. They're trying to develop talent there, but it's not leading the wind, and it's just not a good environment for Jabari Smith and the rest of that core right now. I think he's averaging around 10 points per game. I'm not sure, but it's just not a good good atmosphere for him right now. Jaden Ivey, 15 and a half, or at least near that, in his rookie season so far, I think in uh, 55 in all games. How do you view so far his rookie season in Detroit? I think it's been really good, to be honest, just because I had expectations going into the season where he'd be playing most of his minutes alongside Kate Cunningham, but Cunningham's been out for most of the season with a season-ending shin injury, which I think he suffered back in November. So Jaden and I has been getting the ball a lot in his hands for the Pistons, getting a lot of on-ball reps that Cade Cunningham would have gotten, and he's been doing very well in that. We've seen over the last month or so he's translating his offensive game very well in transition as a scorer he's improving as a playmaker rapidly over the last month or so too he's we know when he's locked in defensively he can show it but it's inconsistent but his offense and his speed on the court is immediately translated to the nba has been dynamic on some nights for detroit a lot of losing for the pistons this year but him and kate cunningham long term if they get lucky in the lottery this year and get another top pick that's gonna be a really fun core in detroit um if people knew what we have seen over you know the season so far through the All-Star break with Andrew Nemhart, would his draft position go a hell of a lot different than it did? Oh, for sure. I think Nemhart would be one of the biggest riders on the board, to be honest, because he went 31 in this past draft. And I think you might have some executives out there that might be pushing him for the top 15 or the late lottery. I mean, just with the, how consistent he's been most nights defensively, a great playmaker, just a, a guy who can plug into any NBA team 
and he'll not complain about his role. He does his job, and he does his job really well. And any NBA team would want that, and Nemhart's shown that throughout this year. So I'd probably say he'd easily go top 20 potentially in that top 15. Rest of the season, what are we thinking about? Certainly around here, um, it's been a lot of losing, although they, they did end on a high note against Chicago. The Pacers start out Thursday against the Boston Celtics. The remainder of the season here, and what you expect with the, the reshuffling of the NBA deck now where it's going to start to get real with new faces and new places for the stretch run of this regular season? Yeah, I think all eyes at the moment are based on Phoenix and what happens when Kevin Durant makes his debut next week. Uh, I think it's going to be them in Phoenix. It's going to be incredible to watch that offense with Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre, and very top-heavy roster there. But with Kevin Durant on board, I think it's easy to say they're the title favorites right now in the NBA. Of course, Nikola Jokic in Denver, what they're doing this year is fantastic too. But the Eastern Conference, I would look at Milwaukee, the, the, the injury stats of Janssen Tadokounmpo. He hurt his wrist in the last game. I think he's getting an MRI this week to look at his wrist, so hopefully it's not long-term for him. But I would say them and Boston atop the East are the two teams to watch out for here. And I think more of a Pacers point here to, to close my point on here, they're, they're live over-under for wins this year. is 35-and-a-half on FanDuel. And, and I think that kind of shows a lot of losing to come for the Pacers. Uh, I, I don't really see a lot of winning coming, maybe a couple good nights here and there. But we've seen the stretch already where they've been on a, a really cold stretch with Halliburton out for most of that. But just I, I want to see competitiveness. I want to see guys like Mathurin get a lot of minutes. And I also want to see them kind of hopefully get that lottery luck there because if they can somehow lose some games here and get a top top three, potentially top two, that would change a lot of things there. Who's the MVP? Good one. That's a good one. I would definitely say Nikola Jokic. I think it's him or Embiid right now for sure in the top two. But I would go Nikola Jokic to 3P, which I think hasn't been done since Larry Bird in 1985, which says just incredible yeah. about Nikola Jokic and his run and what he's been on the last three years. Yeah, you, uh, you watch him play. It is incredible to watch to watch him work in the fashion in which he does. And, you know, not overwhelm you with athleticism. It's just such a high level in all areas of basketball skill. It is pretty incredible. Yeah, it is. Yeah, he's he's a player that I don't think general NBA fans appreciate enough. We'll look back on in 10 or 15 years and say, wow, we saw Nikola Jokic win three MVPs in a row and put up a triple-double for almost three straight years, and he's seven foot. He looks like the average guy at the YMCA. He's not really – the most athletic guy out there. I just think what he's doing, it's so unique in Denver. And they have a team this year that can really make some noise in the West, too. Yeah, no doubt about that. Evan Sidery of Basketball News, my friend, I appreciate that. We'll stay in touch over the rest of the NBA season, and especially before we get into the postseason and see what's going on. Absolutely, John. Anytime you need me, appreciate it. It's uh, Evan Sidery, Basketball News, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Yeah, the whole redraft thing regarding last year's NBA draft is always pretty interesting to me. Always. Hey, JMV, I'm only six years younger than you, but grew up very sheltered. You were playing new reentry quotes, and I don't know any of them. 
I don't think I do either. What are some of those, James? James is trying to freshen up the re-entries, and I'm appreciative of that. Well, I've got a wide variety. I've got some from Monty Python, Monty Die Python. Hard, um, RoboCop's one. Um, I recognize Die Hard, obviously. I recognize RoboCop. Uh, if you ever heard of a movie called Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona. Yes, I do remember that. And I think I'm probably going to try and cut one up here soon from uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, if you've ever watched that one. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. That was a song by Dead or Alive, I believe. Uh, no? Yes, and I, it's also a movie with Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer from back in like the early 2000s. Val Kilmer. It's a great one. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Yes. Man, that was when Robert Downey Jr. was messed up. That was, that was right when he started his comeback. Like right around. Right. The, yeah, that was one of the first ones he did coming back. Because he was, well, he did Chaplin, right? When he did Chaplin, that was in the 90s. I think and so, And yeah. he was really messed up. Oh, yeah, in absolutely. That. Yeah. yeah. All right, then. That's James right there, everybody. New and fresh re-entries just for you, people like you, Andrew. Quick break, and we'll come back. Dave Matthews Band tickets before the top of the hour. Mike DiRocco tomorrow. Why Jim Bob Cooter decided to leave tutoring one Trevor Lawrence and become the new OC, non-play-calling division. For Shane Steichen and the Indianapolis Colts, DiRocco of ESPN.com is going to join us on the show tomorrow. Wednesday show Matt Painter, Purdue head coach, will be here all week long. Your chance to win Dave Matthews band tickets as well. 93-5-107-5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Son, you got a panty on your head. You drive fast, eh? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, JMV, one of the four pillars of your show. That's a good one. I don't know if I have four. Uh, Jack Assery, Tomfoolery, Dip Crappery. I guess I need a fourth. Thank you very much. Jim Bob Cooter reportedly going to become the new offensive coordinator of the Colts. And again, that's non-playing calling division for Shane Steichen, the new head coach. Jeremy Fowler had that earlier today of ESPN.com. Tom Manning is back. Tight ends coach. That's Justin Williams of The Athletic that had that report. Manning was in Indy 2018. Had the trio of Doyle, Ali Cox, and Ebron. Ogletree, Woods, and Granson is who he's going to be dealing with right now. Just a thought. So, Tom Manning, tight ends coach, and it looks like Jim Bob Cooter set to become the new offensive coordinator here in Indy. (laughs) BT has this. Hey, JMV, to be honest, do we like James? I think we like James, yeah. What's not to like about James? I hope you like me. What are your four pillars to like James, James? What do you got? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Uh, I guess, yeah, Jack Assery, I like that one. I like that. Um, no, I mean you, James, not necessarily this show. 
Well, uh, what's your what's the, what's the James four pillars? You got um, you got one pillar to the four. I got. Well, I mean, I do. I mean, I I, I also you're putting me on the spot here. No, I'm not bad. I know. Oh, uh, you're good. Um, I'm crankish. I do, I do enjoy. I do enjoy a good level of jackassery. I, I do enjoy a good cool. level of that, but not too much. Don't go. Yeah. Don't go into too too far into that realm. Yeah, it's weird, man. Sometimes mine will happen on Friday. Like Friday, I get for I don't know why. I just like roll home and. You guys that that follow me on here know exactly what I'm talking about. Bart Diggler says the fourth pillar of the show would be be nice until it's time not to be nice. That's that's really uh, that's just my slogan in general, right there, though. BD, BD, I may have to go a diff- different direction on you with that. <laughs> the four pillars, though. Skip writes this. Hey, JMV, do you need me to drop off some watermelon Red Bull? See, it's like the energy boost. Like BT do asked me a little bit earlier. Uh, so wait a minute. What about your level of testosterone? I'm not talking about the level of testosterone department because I've got a full keg of that on the red. It is ready to rock. It's just sometimes I need a little bit of a pick-me-up, and I'm always looking for that little bit of pick-me-up. And I talked about, if you're watching via YouTube Live right here, something called Fast Twitch. It work out great. Not so far. Amino energy's my normal go-to right there. So, yeah, not testosterone, I'm good to go. Good to go. Between that and WeGrowHairIndy.com, I can't. I got to get my hair cut. About, somebody was making fun of me yesterday. It looked like I'm growing a mullet, and I'm not. I said I got the thing cut like two weeks ago. I don't know what the hell's happening here. Other than the keg of tea and WeGrowHairIndy.com. But, yes, I do love watermelon Red Bull. I'm all about that. Yeah, little doubt. Hey, JMV, regarding Trace Jackson Davis and your take – I would agree the fact that Trace Jackson Davis should be lauded going down in history as one of the better IU players of all time. However, it's going to be unfortunate if they don't win in the NCAA tournament. Most of the time, people are going to bring up that aspect. I asked Jeff Rabjohns that. That's, but I hope that they get hot in the NCAA tournament put a little couple of games wins together just because he's accomplished so much and so much of which people said yeah you know what no this is the problem everybody always wants to come up with the problem he absolutely carries this team right now when they win he's carrying them now, they could win at a higher level if he would get any form or fashion of consistent help. But I think right now, sitting here, he deserves more credit than a lot are willing to give. But certainly you solidify that if you can put something together with this team in the NCAA tournament. BT Do says, try cocaine. What? <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Some energy drink. Energy drinkage right here. Sounds good. So we shall see. Yeah, this is weird, right? I saw this from Adrian Wojnarowski where Myers Leonard 
who's been out of the NBA since 2021, is evidently signing a 10-day contract with the Milwaukee Bucks. Myers Leonard of Illinois. Myers Leonard, did he not play high school-wise in Robinson, Illinois, which is right right across the uh, Wabash River, I believe, from Sullivan, Indiana? I had completely forgotten about Myers Leonard. Hence, he's been out of the NBA since 2021. 10-day deal, according to Adrian Wojnarowski at ESPN.com with the Milwaukee Bucks. JMV, I'm sorry. I couldn't watch the All-Star game last night. It's just not real basketball. It It's show basketball. Fine. Then, obviously, you know what you're getting into. You didn't waste your own time. That's fine. Some people like it. Some people don't. But I don't go into it expecting to see real basketball or real game basketball is what I'm saying here. I know once you dive into it, you're going to get just kind of showmanship and something for fun. That's exactly what what that does. The only way I can look at it, the only way you probably should look at it. Hey, JMV, is an OC that doesn't call plays like a fry cook that doesn't fry? <laughs> well, 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 it'd be like, <laughs> I think it'd be, I think the fry cook may fry, but he doesn't cook. It would be like a cook that doesn't cook. You may set the table, but somebody else cooks it up and serves it. Yes, exactly right. Now, listen, I'm sure essential a part of putting together game plans and input and all that. But aside from it, because remember, Shane Steichen wasn't doing it. When he was in Philly, year number one with Nick Sirianni, Nick Sirianni was doing it. And that's what I asked Shane Steichen last week. Because to a degree, this is somewhat surprising given what he learned in Philly. Nick Sirianni thought, there's too much on my plate. There is too much going on. I got to turn it over. And from that point in year number one through this past year for Nick Sirianni in Philly and that offense, that worked out well. So I think a lot of us thought that maybe that would be the pass or the path, I should say, for Shane Steichen. It is not to this point. Jim Bob Cooter is the offensive coordinator reportedly coming in here who will not be in charge of the play calling. Uh, JMV, how do they fix the All-Star weekend in Indy? This year sucked. I I guess I did not notice enough of it to get that high level of, of suckage. I don't know. What, what do they need to fix? I guess you would have to lay out some issues that you thought that they had. It just looked like your average All-Star weekend to me. I mean, having these dudes in and around, and I'm assuming everything is going to look spectacular like it did on the Super Bowl or like it did even more recently, like it did when the entirety of the NCAA tournament was here. Man, that was awesome. I still remember that. I don't want to ever go back to, you know, half-ass full arenas and things like that. But when the entirety of the NCAA tournament was here, that was incredible. You got to admit, that was incredible. 
It's like when I brought up to Jake Quarry a little bit earlier, because I went back in 1981, I went to the Mid-East Regional, which was the Sweet 16 that IU was a part of in Bloomington. It was played at Assembly Hall, which you think about that right now, and that just blows your mind. One of these days in the not-so-distant future, you're going to think back of the entire NCAA tournament being played here in this state, really. I mean, you know, Purdue and IU as well, but certainly here uh, in Indianapolis, in and around Indy, and that's, it, it's, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. So you'd have to give me the issues in Salt Lake City for me to have a thought on how to, I think, Adjust those issues, Pelk Dog, for next year. At Jamvi, I'd say maybe a one-on-one tourney. Make it, take it, ones and twos to 11. <laughs> I'm going to present those ideas to the NBA and Adam Silver, and we'll see if that works. Hey, Clint, jump on here before the break. How are you? Hey, good. I just wanted to talk about the Pacers and Jaden, or not Jaden Ivey, uh-huh. uh, Zach Eady. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think Zach Eady can play in the NBA? I I think that somebody, he'll be on somebody's bench whenever he decides to go, but I, it, I mean, we're going to have to see. And again, he's still a young enough big dude. If he can face up and become certainly more prevalent in that as his basketball growth. Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as sitting in the post and being fed the basketball, that's not going to happen very often right now at the NBA level. You know, the Pacers have three picks this year, and it's really hard to, to integrate three first-round draft picks into your team. Yes. But a, a guy who's as unicorn, special, different as Edie, I, I think I'd be tempted for the Pacers if they keep all three picks to use the third one on on him if he would come out. Uh, I don't even I don't think he will. I don't even know if that's been approached as far as that. I don't think he will. I still think he wants his basketball game to grow a little bit. Clint, you might be right, and thank you for the call. Not about you know the the draft pick on that. Here's here's what I believe the Pacers should do more than just sit on these and make these draft picks is the Evan Sidery idea of wherever they may fall. Let's just say, for example, they fall, you know, late lottery, whatever. They win enough not to be where you want to be. To be able to put that together and to bring in an established player right now in the NBA that can help the mold of your team moving forward, I am all for that. To sit on all those picks and then to make those and hope that they turn in, because I mean, you're going to have a zillion players on your team. Putting something together that can get you somebody that can help you at that moment, I am for that. Quick break and we'll come back. You might be able to win some tickets coming up on the others. Maybe. Maybe we'll give you the chance. I'm not quite sure. Hey, Jan V, when Indy hosted the entire NCAA tournament, you got so, I got really greedy. Gonzaga, Creighton, and the Sweet 16 at Hinkle Fieldhouse. That was incredible. I hated the moments and the reason why we were there, but that tournament still to me, it's flooring. Quick break. We'll come back. Final time, 93.5, 107.5, the fan. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Do you have last week, like, multi-phones working on this? June 30th and the 1st, I don't know what these tickets are for yet. you got a back-to-back, per usual, on the summertime around here at Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center through Live Nation of Dave Matthews Band. But it's for one of those days, Dave Matthews Band tickets all week long right here. Thank you, Live Nation. Uh, Kyle and Jimmy and the gang, always awesome to this show. Cannot thank you guys enough for that. Outstanding. Yeah, that's good. I have seen Dave Matthews Band one time, and that's it. Good time, though. Went with David Benner. Awesome. But one time and uh, one time only. Yeah, basically, many of you go every single time that they end up playing here. And more power to you for that. However you're entertained, I'm all for it. Always. Hey, Jamie, you nailed that on Myers Leonard. Won the 2010 Illinois State Championship in Robinson, Illinois. I did not know this, though. Robinson, Illinois is the home of the Heath Bar. I didn't, how did I not know that? That's not, I mean, that's not in my general vicinity, but it's not too far. It's near Sullivan. Right across in Illinois from Sullivan. Is that where, uh, isn't there a, is Robinson Community College there? Or is that, what is that? What community college is in Robinson? I no idea. In 1913, school teacher L.S. Heath bought a confectionery shop in Robinson, Illinois, as a likely business opportunity for his oldest sons. So, evidently, the Heath Bar was indeed discovered in Robinson, Illinois. I had no idea. They didn't teach me that at Eastern? Come on, man. Where are you, Eastern Green? Type of stuff I'm looking for. Stefan at 239-1070. Stefan, thanks for waiting. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good, man. I just wanted to go ahead and be like, I wanted to make a big shout out to that kid, Mac McGlone. We got a white man, can't jump two coming. <laughs> Whoa. Who let Doogie Hauser out? Let me tell you what. Doogie Hauser got up there and stayed for a little bit, though. He got up there hey, and stayed. Doogie. You know what I mean? Hey, Doogie was clowning. He had to write prescriptions for teabagging. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan, that was probably, with all three of those dudes, one of the better dunk contests we've seen in a while. Truth be told. I was. It was. And, that, you know, I, I, I credit it to him because that first dunk when he came out, everybody was like, oh, Oh, God. What? I know it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Stefan, I appreciate you. Mac McClung, your dunk contest champion. Heath Bars discovered in Robinson, Illinois. Had no idea. Ron Thompson's going to go see Dave Matthews' band, right? 
Shout out to Ron Thompson. We'll do that again tomorrow. Jeff Rabjohns, Jake Query, Evan Sidery podcast today, 1075thefan.com. The story of Jim Bob Cooter with Mike Narocco coming up on tomorrow's show. Matt Painter Wednesday. Have a great rest of your Monday, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Thanks, James.